and we're on finally. Alejandro from Pedigo Submission Fighting, welcome, man. Finally. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, sure. No worries. No worries. So, what's up? How how are you doing these days in the with the corona and all that shit going on? <laughs> we're making it work, man. I mean, um, nothing's really changed. I mean, after like the whole first wave of corona kind of happened, uh, you know. We, we obviously trained through the whole thing, you know, having guys living in the gym and, and stuff like that. So we kind of just like blacked out all the windows and trained through the whole thing because it was a little bit different for us than everybody else. We kind of lived there, so yeah, we had nowhere to go. So there's nothing else to do but train. So um, no, nothing's really changed for us right now in Illinois. Um, they just shut down all the restaurants again, but the, the businesses, like the fitness build, the buildings and stuff, they haven't shut them down. So right now as a gym, we're still open. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw it on the on the Flow Grappling documentary actually that you are like blacking out the windows and stuff like that. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, damn, I fucked that that gym, man. It's uh, talk a little about uh, talk a little bit, a bit about uh, the gym. It's like uh, oh damn, it's so amazing, you know. It's uh, I I really fall in love with the gym, even though I haven't been there. So it's, it feels like damn, I really want to go someday. So talk a little bit about it, you know. Yeah, so like the gym is actually uh, so the whole reason we're even called people even call us daisy fresh is because keith rented the gym from uh this guy who bought it i don't know how many years ago but he bought it and turned it into a laundromat so the big sign outside the gym says daisy fresh laundromat so that's kind of like how and then he Heath bought it no well we rent, rented it from the guy and we left the sign up and we just gutted everything out of the gym and just put mats on the floor so uh, it's it's an old building, man. It's it's been pretty it's pretty messed up. It's small, uh, doesn't isn't insulated really well, but uh, it leaked a lot when we for the past couple of years, the past seven years, it leaked a lot, and um, the owner finally put a new roof on there, so there's no more leaking now. But it's not very insulated very well, so right now winter's right around the corner and it gets really cold in the mornings when the mats the mats are like hard like like cement, so then yeah. we have to like we have to try and warm the room up with uh propane heaters for like an hour before training oh, so we shit. roll <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yep. dude, it, we love it man we, it's, it's home to us it's uh we, we've gotten very comfortable with being uncomfortable and i think that's one of the reasons that we can push through some situations and matches better than others yeah you know tough environments make tough people right that's what they say or that's what i yes. heard they say so yeah but, i mean it, it, we i mean it's not our it's not our first choice but we've learned to live with it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's worked out. yeah. You know, as long as people are comfortable, it's uh, no worries. You know, many people would like would like go straight away and like, you know what, fuck, this is not for me. But you know, it's uh, the tough ones stay there and uh, makes them tough, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the system that Heath is uh, Heath Pedigal, my my coach has uh, has built for us is it works, man. I've seen it over and over again. I've seen it with extremely athletic humans that had like the best athletic ability in the world and are extremely coachable and Heath has brought them into this environment like I got them to believe in our system and they've become amazing and then I've seen guys that have nothing are not athletic by any means don't have uh, any prior jiu-jitsu training or wrestling training and they you know they don't even know how to walk straight without falling over but they he's get he gets them to believe in the, the process and the program that he has and they become incredible jiu-jitsu competitors you know what i mean mm. so i know that heat system works both ways for any type of person so 
Yeah, it seems to work, you know, because you guys like uh, the competition uh, that you guys do and speaks for himself, you know. So uh, you guys do well at competition. I actually just saw your fight too. It was like, it's good, you know. It's not nothing like super fancy and stuff like that. It's like uh, the thing you, you guys do, it, it, it really, really works, you know. I, I mean, I've been watching all the episodes of the of the Daisy Fresh, and I'm like, I'm a huge fan. You know, that's why I wanted Thanks, you on. Uh, that's why Thank I wanted. You so much. That's why why I wanted you on, and so uh, to visit you one one time when the, the Corona shit is over, to stay a couple of months. Fuck yeah, because yeah, yeah, anytime, bro. Yeah. If you want to come, stay. You stay with us anytime. Yeah, would, you can come whenever. Yeah, it would be awesome because I because the gym that I started out in because I, I started with our coach. I'm like, I started just by traveling and stuff like that, and I just suddenly I got a blue belt. Suddenly I got a purple belt. So I, I'm the I never actually had like a real coach. I have now, but before I was like uh, just traveling around, just training with different people, you know, around Norway. And then I went to South America. I went to England. I also been to the state once. So uh, yeah, just like learning from different people. It's it, it. You can make it happen, you know. Without a professor, you can absolutely make it happen. I believe. I really believe that. For sure, I, I agree. Heath, Heath actually, before Heath uh, trained in the gi. Um, he did everything without a professor. He had no uh, coach whatsoever. All of uh, his prior training before he started training in the gi, like when he was training for all his MMA fights and for when he was competing in all the nagas and all the nogi back when he was like a teenager up into his early 20s, he got all his knowledge from reading and from VHS tapes that he ordered from Japan and Brazil. Yeah. He would watch and drill and he would drill the content over and over and over again. And that's how he got really good. And until until obviously he met Rodrigo, uh, the, the uh, his professor that gave him his black belt. Yeah, how long did he do do that uh, until he like met his coach? It was Man. like long time. Um, I don't know his the age exactly, but I know that he trained on his own with his brother in the grass through VHS tapes from 15 years old all the way maybe till 21, 22, 23 maybe. So like he trained on his own for quite a long time and, and was able to like do extremely well in the nogi circuit and in MMA. I mean, he was tapping out, he was tapping out black belts when he would, you know, when he was like 15, 16, 17 years old, he was, just, you know, he knew he, he was really big into the heel hooks before, you know, people in the United States really were like following into that stuff. Like he was watching all those old Japanese leg lock videos, like all, all that, all the old Russian stuff, like stuff that like, that came and nothing had subtitles. He said none of the videos he watched had subtitles. He just watched what they did and then yeah. rewinded it, wrote it down, drilled it, rewinded it, drilled it. So, I mean, he was on his own for a while. Just him and his brother were just like doing it, drilling it, drilling it. And then finally, uh, he, 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 you know, he realized how important the traditional jujitsu is to uh, get better. So that's when he started, that's when he found Rodrigo uh, Baggi in St. Louis and started training there. Yeah, it's not so far from St. Louis to Mount Vernon, right? It's like one, one, one and a half hour or something like that, right? Yep, yep. St. Louis, Missouri is exactly an hour and a half from Mount Vernon, Illinois. Mm. It's right across the river. Yeah, all right. So he, he went there to train with uh, his coach and uh, got all his belt from him, right? So. Yep, yep, he, exactly. He stayed with the same guy all the time. Yep, he's been with Rodrigo since, uh, he's been with Rodrigo from white to black, never, never, uh, never went with anybody else. Ah, nice. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, um, I think like Heath, uh, he, he's very, uh, he's an underrated coach, I believe. I really believe that. that he, yeah, people are starting, people are starting to realize that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, yeah. The, the, for the past, for the past couple of years, everyone's like people that like, 
are like actively coaching in Ivy Chef, actively coaching in the professional jiu-jitsu scene, they have known about Heath. The people that don't, the people that, you know, the, the people that aren't big fans of us, they they know about Heath. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the people that are, they, they've been known about you. But now that Flo's kind of pushing us out there, they're starting to, people, like the general public is starting to realize like, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, for sure. For sure. How long have you been to the laundry mat now? Uh, no, uh, the daily the days of laundry now. How many years? Um, I uh, so I moved uh, about four and a half years ago. I moved uh, to Mount Vernon, Illinois. Mm. I lived in the I, I lived in the laundry mat for over three and a half years, and now I'm in like a fighter house with a couple other guys. Oh, nice. So, uh, Alejandro, how how did you like start out with jujitsu? Like, uh, what's your story? Okay, so. My story is interesting. Uh, so I was not an athlete. My father was a, a professional soccer player for Uruguay, and oh really? That's a good play. team. He want, yeah, yeah, man. He is good. He's good. He can, he's sixty years old, and he he can still bounce the ball everywhere. Oh shit! But, uh, nice. So so when growing up, my dad wanted me to play soccer, and I was horrible, man. I was the worst athlete ever. I couldn't kick the ball. <laughs> I was the worst. I wasn't any kind of athlete. I tried to do all the sports. I wanted to be an athlete, but I just I just didn't know how to do it. I just yeah. didn't have the ability. So um, my whole life I tried, and I just wasn't good at anything. And then in ninth grade of my first year of high school, my friends were doing football, and I was horrible, terrible at American football, really bad. The guys killed me all the time. Mm. But uh, after, after uh, the season, all my friends went to the wrestling. They went to wrestling. Because our team was really good for the school, so I was like, "Okay, I'll just go with them." And it was the first time in my life that I felt like I was going to be good at something. So I just started wrestling, and I wrestled all through high school. I ended up getting a, I ended up going to state, did pretty well, and I got a wrestling scholarship to a university in uh, around the St. Louis area. So I started wrestling in college. I wrestled all four and a half, five years in college, and then um, when I got done, I got my degree, and uh, I decided I wanted to start fighting MMA. Because I wasn't done competing yet. I didn't want to stop competing. I got done with wrestling and I just felt like I was like empty still. I felt like I still had more to give to, to competition. Yeah. So I started fighting MMA. Sure. I had two fights. And I was doing jiu-jitsu for my MMA. And uh, basically, um, at, the time, I was with, I was, uh, at the time, I was married. I got married young. I got married at like 20, 21 years old. You know, like oh, you shit. think you're in love. Oh, yeah, shit. you think you're in love. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. Things things didn't work out immediately, <laughs> so so I'm like I'm like I'm I'm two and zero right now in MMA, and um, I don't want to be in St. Louis anymore. I broke up with my ex. I'm like I need to get out of here. So my plan was I was gonna pack all my stuff into my car. I packed all my things into my car, and the next morning I was gonna drive to California and I was just gonna find a gym and I was just gonna train. I was just gonna do jujitsu and MMA full time. I was just gonna train. So. I packed all my stuff into my car. I was going to leave, drive 30 hours all the way to California. So that night, uh, all my stuff's packed. It's already in my car. Uh, I got a call, and uh, it's Heath. And he's like, hey, Alejandro, it's Heath. I know we hung out a couple times just like, you know, because the, the guy I got my the guy that was teaching me MMA and that gave me my blue belt, his name's Mike Rogers. And he got he got his – he's also a black, uh, Rodrigo Vagi black belt. Yeah. So him and, him and Heath were already friends because they got black their black belts from the same guy. Yeah. So he's like, look, I kind of overheard that you're having some problems. What's going on? What was the situation? I said, yeah, man, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'm driving all the way to California. I'm going to go find a gym. And I'm talking to this guy and this guy, and I'm just going to figure it out. And he's like, look, why don't you just drive an hour down to Mount Vernon, 
<clears throat> gives me two weeks. He's like, give me two weeks with you. If in two weeks you don't like the situation here, you don't like the training here, I'll help you move to California. He's like, just give me two weeks with you. You can just come stay on the mats for free. I don't want anything from you. You can just stay here for free, train for free. I just want you to, I want to see if this is for you and it will help your life. So I, I was like, ah, it's only an hour away. I said, okay, I'll, I'll come. So I drove down, never left. Nice. Been there ever since. <laughs> and that's, that's, how, that's how I got into like serious competition jiu-jitsu. Because like I was winning smaller tournaments here and there in the St. Louis. And like I just had, I just didn't know about like the jiu-jitsu community and i didn't know about the level of competition that was out there i had no clue so in my mind i was like this awesome blue belt and i was like winning these little tournaments here and there you know just basically with my wrestling alone like a little bit of jiu-jitsu like and then when i started training there the guys beat me up so bad man and it wasn't even like mean it was just like they were just so much better like their jiu-jitsu level was just so much higher than me like i would get away with a little bit of wrestling here and there but they were just like so, so much more ahead of like ahead of the game than I was. And uh, when I went over there, I was just addicted. I was just addicted to that level of, of training because it was similar to the college level wrestling. Like the our our, our room, uh, the training in our room is like really high intensity, similar to what it's like wrestling in college. So mm. I immediately fell in love, fell in love with it. So I've been there ever since, man. I haven't left. Nice. It's been almost four and a half, five years now, and I don't think I'm going anywhere. Yeah. Who was there when you uh, when you got there? Who who was like who who, who did you train so with when, when you were there? Yeah, so when I first got there, um, it was Andrew and Bird. They were they were like the only ones that were living in the gym. And at that time, Andrew was a, a blue belt, and Bird was a blue belt. And Andrew was like just he had just competed in the Royal and got his uh, purple belt. So Andrew was like a fresh purple belt, or maybe he was like just a blue like or he was at like the end of his blue belt career. Maybe I'm not sure. But it was just Andrew and Bird, and then um, while I was while I was there, Spat, uh, Spatchy, uh, Jacob Brooks, the Australian kid, yeah, he had just flown over. He was 18 years old, 18 years old. He looked nothing like how he looks now. He was like a little, he was like four or five inches shorter. He was like so much looked like a boy. He was like so, he was like now he's like grown. He's like six two. He's like got muscles and like, but he had just got there and he was young and. I was I was like 21, 22, and like we were just there together, man. It was like it was brutal, man. The tr the training is brutal. Like the brothers, the Wilson brothers are awesome guys. We love them. And they're the best training partners you'll ever have. But they like to play their video games and do jujitsu, and that's it. They're not like super social guys. So like me and me and me and Spatch would get bored every now and then, like try and figure out something to do. But so it was it was a little bit rougher in the beginning, man, because. It's just not a lot of guys. It's like Lil and me, Spash, and then our other friend, who's a who's a blue belt, who, who he took bronze at the, at the Noki Worlds. His name's Adam Belfall. Um, it was uh, it was just us three and the, the brothers. So it was like only five of us in the gym, and uh, it was it was tough in the beginning because still at that time nobody you know nobody only like the local circuit really knew about us, and uh, it was just rough conditions, man. It was rough living conditions, like no heat, no AC. It was just the, the five of us, and we were just training, like hoping. Like, you know, like this is, we were just like hoping this is all going to pay off. And we all knew one day it was going to pay off. He told us, he's like, look, follow this process. This is all going to pay off. I said, look, Andrew believed in everything. Andrew, he's like, Andrew's no special than you guys. He's not like a gifted athlete and was born with these abilities. Like he was getting his ass beat just as bad as you guys were when you first got here. You just believe in this and this is all, it's all going to happen. And all five of us, 
um, Smash and Adam and me and the brothers were all still there and we all still believe in it and now everything's finally coming together and everything like everything basically everything he said is happening yeah that's awesome man it's uh, it's fucking awesome it's it's, pre- it's pretty crazy man it's pretty crazy <laughs> yeah it's been like, it seems like it's been like a, of a crazy ride for you guys you know with all the condition the not living like yeah. uh, not not have the best uh, conditioning of the, of a gym and stuff like that what's what's required of the society yeah. if you can say it like it, that it, it's been getting a lot better though now man like now that like the gym the gym's got a lot of momentum in the past couple of years so like I mean just like two and a half, three years ago, like we started getting more guys like committing for real. Like we would have guys like, like George Valadares, George Valadares from, from the, the episodes, like he moved in three years ago. And like when he finally like committed, like we get these guys and they, they move over and like people are still kind of like one foot in one foot out because they're like, they're not sure, you know, like, is this for real? Is this going to, is this going to pay off? You know? And like now everyone knows like, this shit works. This shit is going to pay off. If you throw yourself into this hundred percent, there's no doubts it's going to pay off. But so like now we have like, dude, now we have like 12, 15 guys like full time. And it's like amazing, bro. Having that many like, like full time training partners that you can depend on all the time and all the different looks. Cause like, look, you can get, st- training can get stale if you have the same look over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, totally. We have like 15, 20 guys that all have different types of jujitsu and they're all there all the time. So the training never gets stale. And everything's different all the time. We have different, all these different guys. It's just like so amazing right now, man. Like we're in heaven, jujitsu heaven. The best is, is the best it's ever been right now. We have all these different colors. Like before, it was just like gang of blue belts. We were just like a gang of crazy blue belts. And then it was Andrew the purple belt. Now it's like we have a bunch of killer white belts, killer blue belts, killer purple belts, brown and black. And now we're all a, a solid, a solid crew. It's, it's really, it's really neat. Nice, nice. Sounds good. So, uh, like, uh, what, you were a blue belt when you came there, right? Or a purple belt? Blue? No, I uh, I was a fresh. I was a fresh blue belt when I first got there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was like kind of different. Yeah, like you said, it's a lot different now from when it was when you came there. It was like only Andres, bur- Andres, a uh, purple belt, and just uh, some wild blue belts, right? So. It- yep. Things have been like changing a lot since uh, since you stepped into the door. Yeah, man. I mean, it just took a lot of time. It didn't happen overnight. Like, it's like like <laughs> the first two years were tough. Like, we believe it or not, people don't realize this, but it's not happening a lot right now because of COVID. We still get a couple of visitors, but before, bro, we would get like because like our doors are open, just like I tell you and everybody else. Like, anyone can come train. Like, we don't care. You don't have to. You don't have to put a. We don't have a drop in fee you want to come visit us and train for a couple days like whatever anyone can come so dude we would get guys from all over the country that would drive down and try to move into the gym and live the lifestyle we live and a lot of people don't last yeah so it's like it's like it's like interesting you know yeah yeah it is you know some uh, some people like it and some people don't like it they're like too comfortable and uh, they like the comfortable life me it's like <laughs> I don't care. I don't care too much about the comfortable life, you know. I, the, the the place I live is yeah. the, the place where I live right now is like super small. Now I'm at my mother's house. It's big, but the place yeah. that I usually live is not big, you know. I live like five minutes from the two three minutes from the gym, but it's very small, you know. It's not it's yeah. not big at all. I can I can barely have visitors because we plan we plan we plan on on our goal is to have a new gym soon, you know. We just like you know. Nah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but we're, we're growing, man. The team's yeah. growing. We've yeah. so many guys. Like that's why we had to. That's why we had to start getting uh, fighter houses and stuff because 
the, 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 the mats in the gym, we were, we're running out of space for guys to, to sleep, you know? Yeah. And we're running out of room for our, for our just like, for our, our other, like people that aren't our full-time competitors, like our, our just our normal, like local members. Mm. So we're not sure if we want to add on to the, the laundromat and make it bigger or just to find another bigger building and not burn it all together. Just me and Heath have a lot of plans and a lot of ideas for, for the gym and for the team as a whole. So we're looking to, we, we like the, we're, we don't ever plan on changing the, the type of training and changing like our, our grittiness and the grind, but we, we don't have, we, the only reason we've, we've stayed in such rough conditions for so long is because we had no choice. You know, all, all the guys that move in the gym don't have anything. Including when I came to Mount Vernon, I had nothing. You know what I mean? So this is just the, the conditions that we've we've been have had to live in to be able to like to chase our dreams mm. and do this because we don't have that's why we that's why we stick ten people in a seven person car and drive to California because we have to not because we want to the only way we can we can compete in these tournaments at, as a crew as a team is to do it as cheap as possible yeah so as as we start to become more successful and and uh, get better get better with build, building our gym and like business and stuff like that we we plan to make things in our conditions a little bit better for for us and for our competitors and so that we can, can take better care of ourselves and um physically mentally and financially yeah is it a shower or a toilet inside the gym i always wonder that there is a, so, so there's, there's no shower but there is a toilet how do toilet. you guys shower like do you go to the fight, uh, fighter house or do you just rent the shower or how like no, since, since no, people so, don't have a place to live so when I first got there, I would just jump around from like different teammates' houses, and I, I like I'll be real with you, bro. Like I probably only showered like two or three times a week. Oh shit! When I first when I first when I when I first moved there when I first moved there, because we didn't have a choice. But it was like you know back then we didn't have a choice. Now things are different, you know. Like like now there's like a, a spatch has like a weird like Australian shower outside. It's like a giant bag full of, like water that has like a hose on the end of it that like you can wash yourself with but like we have more than enough friends at the gym like any of the guys would let you come over to their house and use their shower or, like like that's not an issue anymore you know all right I mean? yeah but, that's good that's good yeah so so but at least you have a toilet at a gym that's yeah yes yes yeah. yes we have a toilet and a sink <laughs> okay yeah that's good i i said i also saw like you you have you have a fridge too with food and stuff like that it's still there right yep, yep. full fridge yeah, that's nice. And Andrew, he still lives. Where does he live now? Does he does his house? Is it like outside the gym, or where is it? Is it far away? No, it's literally outside. It's literally connected to the side of the gym. He literally built it on. It's like a, a shed box. Mm. He literally built on to the side of the gym. So he just hang hangs around there when he's not training. So he's just in there playing video games. Yeah, he, he, he's got he's got his his bed in there. He's got his ramen noodles. He's got his uh, he's got his computer system yeah whenever he's not in um whenever he's not training he's either at panda express or he's playing video games or he's reading mm. the brothers read a lot they read they read minimum a thousand pages a day oh shit dude they're, they're 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 magicians i can't believe how much they can read yeah <laughs> yeah some people love some people love to read i i like it but i don't read too much i, I read sometimes when i want to but i'm like i'm not a reading horse no fuck no I watch I watch a lot of movies. I don't yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's more fun to watch movies or series and stuff like that when you're not trained. Just just to keep your thought like off yeah. jiu-jitsu. You don't need to think about jiu-jitsu all the time. But yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's good. So how do you found uh, the fighter house? You know what's uh, what gave you the idea to not like move out to the gym? Was it too much people or so, what? So, 
we, we, yeah, we were just getting so many guys on the mats. Like we were getting so many guys on the mats and we were getting a lot of people that were like driving and flying from like long plate, like long distances. And like, we were getting a lot of like masters competitors that wanted to visit the gym and like wanted to see and like, you know, some people don't need to sleep on the mats. You know what I mean? Like if you're trying to like live in the gym, like do like become a full-time adult competitor, like you can handle it. You know what I mean? You can tough it out. But like, you know, some 45 year old guy that wants to come visit the gym and check it out for a week. Like, he shouldn't have to live on the mats. And like, plus, we were just running out of space, man. So me and Heath, Mount Vernon's a really like small town, so there's a lot of affordable housing out there. So me and Heath just looked around and we found some houses for rent. And we just found a couple like rinky-dink houses that just we needed to fix up a little bit that was close to the gym, and we just rent. We just got them so we could rent them out. Yeah. So you just bought them and uh, or rent or just bought them and uh, rented them no, out. No, we're, we're we're just we're just renting them right now. Like we're just renting them. For the guys, mm. and the guys just the guys just come together and pay the rent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice, you know, to to do that, you know, not like always live in the gym and stuff like that, you know. It can, yeah. can be I a mean, little. Look, the brothers love the gym. The brothers never want to leave the gym. They they still live there, but like right now, the gym is like all like the newer guys. They they live on the mats, and then like the 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 fighter houses are like that's like it's like a a feeder system. So like you have to like pull your way and earn your way into the houses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the jungle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. So yeah, totally get that. So so uh do you eat a lot of Panda Express? Me? Yeah. I I do not. I do not. I really me and uh so me and George uh we eat probably the healthiest on the team. And then Spashy does too, but he doesn't really have a choice because he's allergic to gluten. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. But we we really try to Uh, we train really hard, so like we know how important it is to like give yourself the right nutrition. So like we really try to eat really healthy. I do like to eat Panda Express every now and then, but not as much as Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, if Andrew could, he would literally eat it two to three times a day every day. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, yeah, he he is addicted to it. I can see that. Addicted, addicted for sure. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you're from Uruguay, right? Like your parents are from Uruguay, right? Yeah, yeah. So my father, my father was born and raised in Montevideo. Yeah, yeah I right. was I was born I was born in New York. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, you you've been there, right? After uh, you you've been to Montevideo, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I've been there. I used to go there a lot when I was younger. I haven't been there in about ten years. I really want to go back and visit. I want to go back and visit uh, Montevideo and and your and just all of Uruguay, Punta del Este, and just like I want to go visit and like I see my family because my whole my whole entire side of my dad's family is over there, and I want to go there not only to see them but I want to go out there and I want to visit all the whole jiu-jitsu community in Uruguay. I want to. I want to like go and like share the jiu-jitsu and wrestling that I know and give it to the people of Uruguay and I want to like I want to see how the jiu-jitsu community is doing out there because it's so close to Brazil so I would assume there's a there's there's a decent jiu-jitsu yeah wave that, going on. It, it is you know when I when I was there back in 2018 um, I was visiting a gym called Tsunami uh, BJJ. Not a glamorous place to train jiu-jitsu, but, uh, you know, tough guys, super nice guys. And it was like, damn, you're from Norway and you came all the way here, you know. And fuck, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here to, like, find my heritage and stuff like that. So why not train jiu-jitsu? I train jiu-jitsu too, so why not st step on a mat and train some jiu-jitsu? So, uh, but they're super friendly and uh, the level is okay, you know. It's uh, it's good. It's good. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I can't wait to go visit. Yeah, 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 man. You should, you should definitely go back. It's, like, super nice there and the food is, like... It's oof. yes, the best food ever. The best food yeah. I'll never forget. And yeah. the weather. If you go during the summer, oof, best weather. Yeah, it's super nice. It's it's very nice. So uh but like 
my favorite is the Brazilian barbecue, but I love the Uruguayan barbecue too. I think that's also very good. It's so good, it's different. So good. It's very it's different, but uh, it, it's equal as good as the Brazilian one. But uh, I got a little love for the Brazilian one. That's my favorite food. It's like Brazilian barbecue, sushi, <laughs> and sushi and uh, Chinese food. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. So it's like damn. So uh, how old were you when you uh, when you went there? Like you were like a teenager, or uh, when you went there, or. So I would go there like every couple of years growing up since I was a baby. Like my dad would want me to go, you know. So um, the last time I was there, I think I was like, tw I think I was like 15, 16. So it's been like 10, 11 years. Yeah. I was like a teenager, 15, 16. And I just haven't been back since just because I just haven't had the chance yet. So when I can, I'd like to, I'd, I'd like to compete in Brazil. I'd like to do like the Abu Dhabi in Brazil or, I'd like to do the like the Grand Slam or something, or like even the Brasileiros. I want to go do the Brasileiros or the Grand Slam in Brazil, and then I'd like to travel to uh, Montevideo immediately after and stay there for like a week and train and just see my yeah. family. Yeah, the Grand Slam in uh, in Rio is like very, I've done. I know, it, man. I've I, done I, it I twice. Love, I, I've done it twice. I, I, I love it. I love the Grand Slam. I think the, the the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam, in my personal opinion, is incredible. I, I think it's a that more Americans need to need, need to compete in, in those tournaments, man. They're, yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they are. I, I think I, I believe that uh, the, the Grand Slam Federation, the UA, it's is better than the IBJF. You know, they. Uh, I agree. You I, can, I completely, I completely agree. And honestly, we went money to the, put on. We went to our first one in, in Miami. We went to our first one in Miami last month, and it was incredible. It was incredible. Professional as fuck, like. Way, way more professional than I was expecting. Was, yeah. The ref, the referees, the just everything. It was. Very, very professional. I was extremely impressed, and I, I loved it. I can't wait to do the next one. Yeah, I was like super amazed too. You know, I've done it 2018 and 2019. Didn't got the result that I wanted, but whatever. It's not important. But the, the the whole setting, you know, it's like super professional, and they have like super fights between the black belts and stuff like that. And uh, everyone is doing well. The level is very good, and uh, and they pay they pay the athletes. They, they do, the yeah. Athletes. They yeah they do they do, and they. Uh, and like uh, I competed at the Olympic Arena in Rio, so it was oh, like, wow. yeah, it was like, uh, I highly recommend to go there because it's so super professional. You feel like uh, a real uh, Olympic athlete, to be honest. You know, it's like being at the Olympic Games when you're there. It's incredible. It's like that feeling you have when you when you step onto the mat. It's like you go through the curtain. You, you they have the same in Miami, right? You go through the curtain and stuff like that, right? Black curtain, like. Yep. And then all the all the produ the production is the best of the best. You can tell their production is like professional quality production. Yeah, it's not like uh, sometimes like with the, when the IBJF when they film and stuff, you you can see the quality is like very poor, and you you barely see what people are doing because it's the quality is yeah. so bad. And with with them, they are it's very very good. It's super professional, and they do everything yeah. right. You know, I think they're gonna be like the, I think. In maybe 10, 20 years, maybe they will be probably the the head organization for Jiu Jitsu, I believe. Those I, guys. I agree. I agree. And uh, they also have like, uh, they, they also have, um, have, have um, power athletes too, you know, for people who with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah, so, for sure. I saw that. Yeah. It's really good that they do that. Yeah. I, I am actually a power athlete, to be honest. I got like uh, a lower paralysis in my leg, so I'm a power athlete. I just started as a power athlete two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So oh, good for you, good for you, man. That's awesome. You're out there getting it, man. Getting after it. Yeah, but before, before, before I knew about it, I, I competed regular with the normal guys, you know, and uh, I didn't do, I, I didn't do like super well, but uh, the guy couldn't tap me, so I was like, yeah. I'm doing uh-huh. something right. I, I I train with guys who not who 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 are not like handicapped and stuff like that. So it's like uh, yeah, it's sometimes it's a struggle, but you know you just gotta you just gotta keep doing it. There's no excuses, you know. If I don't have an arm, I would still train jujitsu. No, of course, man. Of course, I agree. I think it's awesome, man. Good for you. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, I still love jujitsu as much as uh, as I did before. So it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun to I like, try to compete again and yeah, so. Definitely, I hope hope to see you if uh, if you go to Rio. I hope to see you because I'm going every year to Rio to compete at Grand Slam. So yeah, oh, yeah. let's meet up oh, and yeah. grab some yeah. acai and uh, some barbecue, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm in. If there's one thing that I like to do just as much as jujitsu is eat a oh. lot. Damn, don't talk about food, man. I've been like thinking about food like the, the whole day, man. So it's like yeah. So uh, does uh, does uh, Heath's brother does he still trains or? Um. Uh, he's brother uh, Randy. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he does. Um, he doesn't like compete anymore. But he he's that that guy hits the boxing bag a lot. His he, brother was more into the fighting. Um, he did get his uh, blue belt from Barry Yoshida when they lived in California, California for a couple of years. Yeah. But his, his older brother, um, he he fought professionally for those couple of years in the '90s and early 2000s, and then. Um, he, now he just kind of like does it for workout. He's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen. He, he works out harder than any human I've ever seen. He'll go run like 20 miles and then he'll punch the bag for two and a half hours straight as hard as he can. Like his brother's one of the craziest workhorses I've ever met. But he doesn't compete anymore. He's just getting a little bit older now. He's like in his mid 40s and stuff. So, so it, he still visits the gym, uh, the pedagogy submission fighting. He's, he still visit. He still trains at the gym with you guys, or does he train another um, place? No, no, not not so much with us because he doesn't really do jujitsu too much anymore. But he stops in and says hello every now and then. You know, it's a small town, so he comes by a lot. Yeah. So how uh, how is it like to? You came from St. Louis, right? It's pretty big, isn't it? St. Louis is yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mount, Mount Vernon's the, Mount Vernon's the smallest town I've ever lived in in my whole life. Shit, it, it, it's it's smaller than my uh, than than my hometown that I'm uh, visiting my mom here. Here is like twenty five thousand, so Mount Vernon is smaller than even this town. Yeah, it, it's a look for what it's a culture shock to be able to be in such a small area for like to to live like it's there's like the Walmart's the biggest store, you know. So it's it's a it's the biggest it's the it's the biggest supermarket we have, and it's not anything special you know so it's definitely a like you have to drive an hour to get to the an hour and a half to get to like the closest mall or something like that but listen for what we're trying to do and achieve it is perfect for us because in mount vernon there's no distractions there's you know it keeps us away from parties keeps us away from you know girls keeps us away from uh just like all the normal things like a city would would try and grab you with like in, in mount vernon all we have is the gym our friends, our coach, and like we just are super focused. So for what we're trying to do, the little city life is perfect. The little town life is perfect for us. Yeah, totally. Because like when people think about jiu-jitsu, think of, of like the big cities like New York, LA, San Diego, right. uh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, right? And there you, and yeah, for example, Rio, Rio too, Sao Paulo, stuff like that, you know? And uh, they... Uh, you have all the, all those distractions to like okay you know what fuck I'm gonna just gonna skip train day I'm gonna go to the club instead right so yeah, yeah, uh, sure. yeah it's 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 very easy you know because 
because uh, to, to do other stuff than go train, you know, it's very easy to get distracted if you're not like 100% focused, I believe, so, but, uh, you know, for a small town, yeah, why not, right, it's because like, uh, you guys like, uh, that's the real jiu-jitsu lifestyle, you know, it's, it's not all about like going to the beach all the time and stuff like that. Of course, it's nice. I fucking love to go to the beach. I think it's like super uh, yeah. relaxing and stuff like that. Watch the girls and they drink coconut and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's you don't you you don't really need it. You know. No, you don't need it, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. You don't need it, but it but it's uh, it has its benefits. You know, uh, some vitamins and stuff like that. Just like you look good and yeah. But you know, uh, coming from a small town, you we don't have those distractions. Makes you like. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. But uh, what do you think? You, you think it makes you tougher? You know, to like uh, be in a small town like uh, Mount Vernon. Yeah. It does something with your mind. It 100 because people from small towns in the Midwest they're just rougher. The people are rougher. So if you're around a bunch of rough guys all the time, you're gonna become tougher. You have no choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? People are like gritty. You know, gritty, hardworking, hard nosed, blue collared people out here in Mount Vernon, you know what I mean? So like, that, that's just the type of people we are around. I think it just, it does make you tougher. It makes you more focused, which in the long run will make you a tougher human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially you guys who wants to like compete and stuff like that. It's super important, you know, to be around yeah. those surroundings. That, that, that's, that's why I like the small town. I mean, look, it's not my first choice in the living situation, but for what we're trying to do, um, it's perfect for us. It just keeps us completely laser focused on our goals and in the gym constantly. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because you're like you're living like uh, not the good life, but more like uh, the tough life, if I can say that. So uh, yeah, but it's uh, you know uh, it it pays off. You know, just see see on the competitions and stuff like that. You know, it's uh, like Heath said on the, the documentary, like. Uh, Maybe a year or two, or when the IBJF and stuff like that opening, when 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 the worlds are coming back and stuff like that, it's uh, he he said that um, he he wanted to become uh, oh, what what did he say again? Uh, the, the team trophy, the team trophy for uh, like he he wanted his team to 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 get the team trophy like Alliance and Atos and Checkmate and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, he want he want. I think I believe I believe that's gonna happen. I, yeah. I think. We've already won. We've already won the novice, the, the novice worlds, and the novice pans as a team. All our, our white belts won the won, won the team trophy. And it, the white belts are are the beginning, you know. So you know, the next couple of years, in the next five years, we're gonna be up there, man. In the next five years, we're coming for the adult. You know what I mean? Like we'll be up there. I, I can I, I can promise you that we'll be we'll be in the top top yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, yeah. I believe that too. I think it's gonna be like super awesome to see like you guys' progress and stuff like that. I, it, it's a lot of fun to like uh, to watch your uh, to watch the progress, you know, from the documentary and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I'm. It, it gets me motivated. It keeps me mo very motivated to watch you guys work. And it's like, damn, Johnny, you should really train now. So it's yeah, it keeps me motivated too. <laughs> Thanks, so Johnny. it so it helps me that you guys do well. It helps me very much too to try Thanks, to do well for we, my. To I can't. Myself. I can't explain the amount of. Uh appreciation we have for all the love and support we've gotten from so many people from all over the world man like guys like awesome guys like you johnny that just like love the story and like the fact that what we're doing is helping people want to train and helping people want to get in the gym and the you know we, i've gotten messages from people that are like thank you so much for the for those episodes you know you i i quit jujitsu and the episodes helped me get back in the gym and start training again and 
you know, like I, I just can't explain how, how how happy we are that we're, we're we're making a difference for other people in the world other than just ourselves. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really special. And we we appreciate everyone that's showing all the love and gratitude towards us. Yeah, awesome. It was like awesome that I could reach out to you and like invite you for the podcast because I'm like I don't care if uh, you're a black world champion or not. You know, I just like talk about jujitsu and uh, yeah, yeah. We we don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Yeah, we just we just want to train and hang out. Yeah, we just want to train, hang out, freaking eat sushi and steak and freaking all kinds of pasta. Yeah, all pasta. <laughs> oh, holy damn, damn, <laughs> damn! I'm if if I'm going there, I'm probably gonna become a heavyweight. So, <laughs> to, yeah. by eating too much. So yeah, tell me about the raccoon in the gym. The what? Oh, the, the raccoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the legendary so, raccoon. So this is like. So this is like three and a half years ago, man. And it was like me, it was me and like the, the world sea brothers and little Jacob. He's that kid. They just introduced in episode five. He was 15 at the time. And it was, uh, this other 15 year old kid that was there also. And, uh, we were all sleeping in the gym. And then we just hear like a big bang. We're like, what the hell? And then we hear like all this noise, like, I turn the lights on. I'm like looking around and like the ceiling is like all over the floor. And then we see the freak, there's a raccoon running around in the corner and we're like, what the hell? What the hell? And then bird grabs a broom and starts hitting the raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, you're like fucking, we got it out of the house and got it, out, got it out of the gym, got it out of there. But it fell through the ceiling of the gym while we were sleeping. Oh, <laughs> it shit. fell right next to bird, like right next to him. Oh shit. That must be yeah. terrifying. Holy shit. I must be like super terrifying. Like laying lying there and sleeping, and then some raccoon came uh, came through the roof. We were just we we were just confused. We were just like, "What's going on?" And then uh, and then uh, on episode I think episode one or episode two, that's when they were talking about the possum that's that we found in, dead in the attic. The yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so that so that one, uh, we were just we were just like in the gym, and then like we started smelling. It was like when summer first started. Summer it started getting hot for the first time. And we smelled the smell, man. It was like, man, this smells weird. And we were like, whatever. The gym smells weird all the time. So we were like, whatever. Yeah. And then we came back We came back later that day and it got really bad. Like, bad. We were like, oh my God, something's dead. So, <laughs> Spatch was the only one brave enough to go up there in the attic. Yeah, like props to him. There's probably over 100 degrees up there. Yeah. And uh, it's, he's, he had to like put a mask over his face. It smelled so bad. And he went up there and he found a giant possum that was like, it was like, it had been sitting there probably for the longest time. And then with the heat, it like expanded and then popped. Oh, and shit. that's when the smell came out. So, oh, so he went up there and he like plastic bagged it. We got it out there and the smell was gone. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's probably a good idea. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny story, man. Yeah. It was funny. So, uh, what's your advice to like a guy who wants to start jujitsu, but he's like too afraid and it's always have the excuse. Oh, I got to get in shape. Uh, I got a, yeah, like, I've heard all the stupid excuses, I can't rename anyone now, but the the normal one is like, ah, I have to get in shape to start jiu-jitsu, or no, I'm just a little bit too afraid, or yeah, whatever might be, what's your, like, advice for a guy who really wants to start, but he's, like, unsure or afraid to start, what's, what would you say? I think, the, I think the best thing you can do is just try to find a group of guys out there, like, the, like, when I say group of guys, I mean, like, like, find a gym that, like, you know, they have opportunities for like everyone. Like our gym, like we train really hard. We go crazy, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like everything you see on, on flow and everything, like we train like that, but we have guys that like, have never done jujitsu before in their life. and never even done sports before in their life that that come and can, can train with us. I would just say, find a, find a good gym that 
offers the level of sport that you want and then just like find a couple of like decent training partners that you can depend on and just show up. I think the, the hardest part for any, any, any person that's going to do jiu-jitsu is don't be afraid to just walk through the door, man. The hardest part of getting into the gym is walking through that door. And if you walk through that door, you're going to freaking figure, you're going to figure it out. You're going to, if you show up every day for two months, you're going to get better at jujitsu regardless of what gym you go to. Mm-hmm. I think if you just don't, don't be nervous to walk through that door and ask questions and fail and mess up because you're going to a lot, <laughs> especially in jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. Like first, like no, the first week or first month is like hell, you know, you getting your yeah, ass kicked yeah. and this so shit my, doesn't work. My... It's like, yeah. <laughs> the worst <laughs> my yeah, first yeah. year i got my first year i got brutalized at daisy fresh brutalized yeah me too I'm, I'm, i was like fuck this is not for me uh, why i'm doing this I, I still felt it when i was yeah. a blue belt i still feel it sometimes also but not as but often you always, but there's always some bit of progress and then the more you see that progress the faster it comes and then you start believing in yourself and you start believing in your own jujitsu you know what i mean so i think the hardest part is just walking through those doors man don't be afraid to walk through those those gym doors and sit down and be a student and put your ego to the side and just try and fail be be okay with failing and trying to fix those those uh, failures and get better at at whatever part of jiu-jitsu and you're you're in. Yeah, I totally agree, man. It's uh, for many people, it's like very hard to like uh, step to step inside the door. You know that that's a yeah. long that's a long way for many people. Like yeah, just even, just even, to get into even, the gym. Even if, you, even if you show up and you get beat up one day. Go show up the next day. No one cares. People get people get tapped all the time. Yeah, it's, yeah, of course. You know what I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Don't feel discouraged, man. You know what I mean? You gotta get. You just gotta keep get in there and get after it again. Yeah, you know it. It does. It, it doesn't define your jujitsu because you get tapped. It doesn't define that jujitsu is bad in no way. You know, I I would not say that jujitsu is bad because you get tapped. You know, it can happen to anyone. So it's yeah. yeah. So uh, what's your favorite position? Like, uh, what guard do you like to play, man? Man. I would have to say right now I'm uh, I'm really enjoying uh, a daily even spider guard. Oh shit! Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. You know, I do spider guard sometimes, but it's uh, since like my hands hurt a lot nowadays, so I I don't yeah. do it as much. But I do it to set up other things. But it's a good guard, but it tears the hands a lot. But Dilahiva is short like Dilahiva is good. You know, I I also do it. To set up stuff, but uh, yeah, my, my main guard is deep half guard. You know, I fuck. Oh, I'm, right on. Yeah, I'm a deep half guard guy. You know, I I had to do deep half guard because I couldn't do full guard because my leg is fucked up, so I can't do full guard. So you know what? My first instructor said, you know, you can't do full guard, do half guard, and I'm I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, I'm gonna do half guard, and uh, yeah, it worked very well. You know, and few uh, few people can't. Uh, has been able to pass it, you know. I'm uh, working on the modifications on it and all the time, you know, to, to make it even better than it was. So it's like, yeah. So half guard. I'm I'm um, I'm a bit old school, but uh, yeah, I think I started out in 2010. I think I started 2010. So I've been doing it for uh, for a while now. So, so what uh, what setup do you like from Dilahiva guard? What what do you do from Dilahiva? Do you do do you, right do you stand up from the single leg or what do you do? Right now, from Daily Hila, I go to the long hook a lot, like kind of like Marigali does. How he gets into like X, I've been like uh, I go to uh, Daily Hila and then I like punch my leg through, straighten it, and do like that long hook either to uh, sweep over the head or I go right upside down into Barambolo. Oh shit! You're that type of guy. Well, I wasn't always. I'm just, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I gotta just evolve, just like the sport is, man. You know what I mean? Like everyone's 
bear and bowling now. So yeah. I gotta, I gotta figure, I, gotta, yeah. I have to figure it out myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't even do that. Or I could one. I, I, I could. At one point, I could do it, but now it's like uh, I put out a little bit too much weight, so I have to like lose some weight to, to. To do it to do it again. So now it's like I'm I'm playing uh, Lucas Leitch half guard actually. His half guard is like right. super amazing. I, I, yeah, I, no, no. Lucas Lucas Leitch's dogfight position half guard is the best. Yeah, Coyote half guard. I, I use that a lot. I sweep a lot of people with it. So it's like I'm working a lot yeah. of that nowadays. But Brembolo, I have to wait. I really I really have to wait. So, but damn, we've been talking for like 48 minutes now. So it's been. Uh, are you you? You have something more you want to add, or uh, you want to thank someone, or uh, reach out to no, someone? No, or... I just want to, I just want to thank, uh, I just want to thank the, the people, man, the jujitsu people, man. Everyone's been so loving and appreciative and so generous to us, man. Like, it just, I just can't believe how great the jujitsu community has been to our team, and we just want to give to, back to everybody else, man. Like, we're just normal guys, like everybody else, man. We we don't give a shit about uh, what belt you are, or who you got your belt from, or you know, who you train with. We just want to train and have fun and kick it and go to adventure and freaking and eat food to different places and go adventure and travel everywhere and do jujitsu. Like we don't care about anything other than that, man. Like we just appreciate everyone. I just want to thank my coach, Pedigo for, for teaching us and for instilling, not just just like great jujitsu into us, but just like helping us become better people, man. And like, yeah, I've developed, I've yeah. developed, I've developed, and the guys in the gym have developed a lot as better humans. Yeah, from being a part of this, and I just, I just, I'm really grateful yeah. for that. And I just want to just give me a second. Just, just, just give me a second. Yeah. Just give me a second. All right, I'm back. No, all right. no worries. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. What did you say? No, it's all good. I just want to thank Keith and. Thank the jiu-jitsu community, man. It's, it's been good. Yeah, so good. So if you're in Scandinavia or Norway, just uh, reach out to me and uh, come and train. You know, it would be awesome. You know, uh, we can take we can take sure. you to some. Uh, you want to try some Norwegian good food? I can take you to uh, some good restaurants in Norway too. Like if you want to, if you want to. So it's no problem, he's, man. He's a huge. Uh, he's a huge Viking fan. So he'll. We we would love to visit. Yeah, just uh, let me know, man. I'll uh, I'll hook you up if you if you come to my city. I'll hook you up and uh, yeah. Probably can talk to the guys, and if you want guys want to sleep at the gym, if if it's good for my coach, it's probably it's probably gonna be okay. You know, it's um, I don't know, but uh, we'll see what happens. You know, if they in in the future for sure, for sure. Thanks, Johnny. I, pre I appreciate it, man. Yeah, you too, man. So uh, good luck to your competitions and uh, and the future, man. So I hope to see you when uh, when I visit. Hell yeah, you when, will. You will. If you come visit, I'll be there. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, just wait till the COVID situation is over. So uh, yeah. I'll be there for awesome. sure. Cool. All right. Thanks, All right. Johnny. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you. Take care, brother. Take care. And we're on with uh, the Adams and the Adams and brothers. What's up, guys? Hey, how you doing? Nah, I'm good. Good. A little bit bored nowadays because I don't train up much, but yeah, it works. You know, we try to do the best as the best as we can. What about you guys? Doing yeah. good, man. Just got off the mat here. We just had a. Nice big class. Had a few guests. Guests brown belt. Got some good rounds in, and uh, I was sitting back getting some fuel and excited to talk to you today. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, appreciate the time, boys. Really appreciate the time. So, uh, yeah, you you both guys are black belts, right? Yeah, sir. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're 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 Rafael Lovato Jr.'s uh, fifth and sixth black belts. No shit. So. 
who got it first? Was it you, Nathan, or was it you? Uh... I think officially, okay, I the think brothers. my brother actually got his black belt tied on first. Yeah, I think he was yeah. the same, same day, but I did get mine first. Yeah. It's like twins were born, but he came yeah. out just before me, seconds oh. before me. <laughs> mm, all right. So how do you guys like uh, start with uh, jiu-jitsu? What's your, what, what's your story? You know, who started first or you started like, how do you guys start it? I guess officially I started first. I think I tried a class um, and then I called my brother and told him how cool it was. He was at college at the time and um, I think he went, I think maybe the next weekend he came back home and we trained together and then I think he went back and signed up. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom got us a two-week free pass, dude, and she regrets it ever since because we dropped everything we were doing. I dropped out of college, <laughs> and she meant she got us this two-week free pass just to try it out, like as something fun to do on break. And then we fell in love with it and quit everything else we were doing. What do you guys do before, like uh, football or uh, American football or wrestling or? Yeah, we played played yeah like soccer. Yeah, exactly. And at the time, I was going to college, and Nate was Nate was working construction. Um, so I was training at the very beginning. He was training in another town than I was. And when we'd get together, we would exchange techniques. This is when we were white belts and blue belts at the very beginning, you know? Yeah. I was here in Astoria, Oregon, training under a guy from the East coast that was a purple belt here at the time. And, uh, and my brother started in Bend, Oregon. So we we're about four hours apart, but almost every weekend we'd end up meeting up and, and training and exchanging our techniques and just, uh, Yeah, man, just very quickly turned into a passion. Yeah, we started competing shortly after that, so that was that was the end of the story. Once we started competing, it was game over. There was no turning back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, totally get that. I'm I'm the same myself. Now it's like difficult because we can't compete, but you know you got good preparation to prepare for the for the next season. If you if we can compete in 2021, who knows? Yeah, is that the story for you guys? You guys are shut down for jiu-jitsu the whole year. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm uh, right now. I'm currently at. Uh, I'm not at my in my town where I live. I'm at my mom's house now. So she's she lives in a small town. So they have some jiu-jitsu here. Uh, it's like twenty five thousand living here. So I I okay. was I was one of the the founding guys who started jiu-jitsu. I started jiu-jitsu here as a three stripe white belt here. So, wow, nice, man. So, uh, the, the, yeah, we live in we live in a little town. We we have just over seven thousand people in our town. Oh <laughs> shit, that's that's a small that's a small place. That's yeah. even smaller than here. <laughs> tiny tiny little beach town, almost nobody around in the winter. But then we have you know days in the summer where there's sixty thousand people that come as uh, visiting, you know, and that's that happens almost all summer. Every weekend we have big events here, and it's a very touristy area. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, here is like, the town is like very small and we only have like one jiu-jitsu gym here and we train at like uh, at a warehouse at uh, uh, <clears throat> one of my training partners uh, works there and we and uh, his company uh, let us use uh, the warehouse because there's on top, on top, like uh, on top of the warehouse, not, not on top of the warehouse, but uh, a big room in the, in that warehouse they don't have nothing there so they said like okay we can put the mats there and stuff like that as long as you lock the door so people don't come in at the, at the evening it's okay so we just said we just, <laughs> nice. we just, we, Under, we, man that's crazy everybody's like underground training okay. so wild 
Yeah, so uh, now they're like, uh, I left there when I was a blue belt, and those guys are blue belts now, and now I'm, and uh, I'm a purple belt now. So they have a blue belt taking the class. He's very good. He's got like experience with judo and stuff. So he takes the classes now, and sometimes I show them some of my uh, my stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's good. You know, people are getting good, and uh, they they're gonna buy some uh, new mats too. So they're like really putting and putting the works there right now. So uh, I'm proud of the guys for sure. Even that's great. Even even though they they didn't have they don't have like official teacher so but they do the best they can with with uh, what they have so yeah that's that's how we started man and yeah. keep keep the dream alive you know you yeah so uh, did you like uh, did you guys just like traveling around and uh, just learning from different people or how did you guys do it so originally um i had the the guy here that was from the east coast um he was here for about five years um teaching and i started assisting with the kids classes and like i said my brother was training in bend for a year and then he linked up with the northwest martial arts team under megaton and eugene um that that second and third year i think of his college and then ended up moving back here to the beach. And it was only about another year and a half after that where we had received our purple belts. And our uh, my previous instructor ended up moving out of the area. Um, and that was shortly after we had met um, Professor Rafael Lovato in Seattle at a tournament. And he had invited us to come out to Oklahoma. So we ended up going out there and training with his team and for the first time really having our eyes open to you know absolute world-class jiu-jitsu um, instruction competition training all the things that we had been looking for to try and rise to the highest level um, and so then when I came back you know I was just really surprised and super happy that we found that um and i wanted to share it with the northwest here because we didn't have anything of that caliber out here yet so i arranged a seminar for uh, rafael lovato jr to come out here and teach and so we had i think about uh, 25 to 30 people at that seminar um and that was in 2006 either late 2006 or early 2007. I can't remember the date on that seminar, but shortly after that, we took another trip back to Oklahoma and that was pretty much the story from there on out. Raphael called us and asked us to be on the team. Um, obviously we, you know, graciously accepted and, um, we pretty much were going out there a couple times a year from seaside here to Oklahoma city to train with him for a couple weeks at a time. He would teach us drills and uh, help us with our competition game. We would train at this team out there, and then we would just come back and, and drill and drill and drill and try and just work on the techniques, and we would be competing in between all of that all the time. Um, so we would get to see him at the, all the majors and stuff like that, the Pan Ams and the Worlds. Um, but that was pretty much our story for training, man. We never, until Zach and I were black belts, we we never had a consistent black belt to train under ever. We started under, you know, purple belts. And when we were purple belts, we opened our academy. And then, you know, we actually opened as Rafael's first affiliates ever. And and then that was, you know, our, our dedication was to go out and, 
really be a part of his team, try and help his students, you know, the ones that were coming up and, and be there as students ourselves and try and learn how to compete at a higher level. And so that was it pretty much a couple times a year, we'd go out there and then come back and just try and develop the techniques at any way we could. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's good, man. It's, uh, it's important. Was, uh, was uh, Lovato a black belt when he came out to have the seminar you were talking about? Was he a black belt back then? Yeah, he hadn't done his Grand Slam yet. I, I don't know if you know, Rafael was the first, I mean, first American to win a lot of these big major tournaments like the Brasileiro and Europeans. And he's like a three-time Amer- like Pan Am champion. So as far as Americans go, he was light years ahead of him, um, everyone else. But when we first met him, was the year he met we met him in 2006 we joined his team in like 2007 and that's the year he like grand slam he won the worlds 2007 was the first year that the worlds came to the states i don't know if you're yeah i know it was yeah. in it, w- it was in tijuca tennis club before i i've, I've competed there okay yeah yeah cool man yeah amazing amazing thank you yeah that's like the, a goal for every jiu-jitsu person i think is to, <laughs> yeah yeah is to go to that iconic venue i'm jealous that's great <laughs> yeah. you should you should do it you know reopen is good competition so yeah it's uh it's good you know i uh i i actually heard lovato was talking about it is long a couple of years ago now but when he was talking about how he was competing there back in the day it was yeah i it was something different than uh than the world's now in the in the, yeah. in the pyramid a little different energy probably yeah <laughs> probably hard yeah. to match that energy there yeah, like even in in those days, you know, it's uh, early two thousands and stuff like that. I think it was, I think Lovato was a blue belt when he first competed there. I, I don't remember correctly, but I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, yeah, I think he was seventeen. I think when he first went there, I believe. Yeah. 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 So it's like competing there is. Uh, it's. Uh, I would highly recommend it, no matter the outcome. You know, it's. It, it's just all fun. You know, it, it's good. It's Absolutely. good doing it. Yeah, we look forward to that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So, Travel's got to open back up for us. Yeah. yeah. Everybody seems. Have you guys ever been to Brazil? I have not. No. No. It's on. It's on our. It's on our radar. We will get down there at some point. Um, We've competed in Europe. We've competed in Japan a couple times. Um, but oh, we wow. just haven't done the Brazil trip yet. I don't know why. Maybe we're saving the best for last or something. <laughs> yeah. recommend. I would recommend the Grand Slam events there. They're like super professional and uh, very good. Yeah, I mean, we, we grew up watching all of those tournaments, you know, as much film or footage as we could from, from there. Now, uh, Professor Rafael has quite a bit of stuff in his archive, but... Um, yeah, I mean, when we started jiu-jitsu, there wasn't wasn't a lot of these things that the guys have nowadays. I mean, they got there's so many resources, just like this podcast. You know, it's like there was nobody doing podcasts. There was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. There was none of that stuff even existed when we started training jiu-jitsu. So it was a definitely different time. Yeah, definitely. It was like uh, very different from what what, what it is now. You know, and back then it was like the magazines that that gotten the word out, right? Like magazines and maybe the newspaper or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Some VHS or some DVD. Maybe. Oh yeah, VHS. Yeah. Oh shit, I remember that. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not young. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm 31. So uh, VHS, I remember. Very good. I think, I 
think Scotty from On the Mat was the first one to release DVDs into the market for jiu-jitsu, I believe. I'm not sure. I could be wrong with that, but I yeah, I, was, I think he was, you know. the first one we got was On the Mat. That's actually how we recognized uh, Rafael at the uh, tournament we went to. We had um, we bought some gear from On the Mat, and he sent a video um 101 submissions and Rafael was on there you know a bunch of times ex choking people omoplatas triangles and we're like oh man that guy's awesome and then we seen him at the tournament and I was like oh we had to introduce ourselves you know so yeah so uh guys talk a little bit about uh, the experience with the uh, Globetrotters camp Zach what do you think yeah I, I love the Globetrotters experience, man. I think it's something special. You know, the one I went to most recently was the uh, the Iceland camp in, what, 2019? We did. Yeah, 2019. It was in the summer. Yeah. Man, I, I was just so impressed with the variety of training partners. Um, I mean, it's really special to have. There's probably like 40 black belts there at that camp, you know, and so yeah. just got so many different people from different countries training and networking and you know it's also cool for we took some students so i think we had a a blue a couple purple belts of ours with us or something and so they got all you know they got to meet tons of people and train with tons of purple belts and blue belts and black belts from all over and i feel like it's just a really special experience yeah i think maybe um and i think you get more value as you get as you're a higher belt too you know because you're going to be able to get a take more away from it and uh yeah definitely they do a really good job of bringing in good instructors keeping the environment really fun you can get as much tra- you can get i mean there's so much training right man i mean <laughs> yeah you burn yourself out like in a freaking day if you're not careful yeah i know it's uh there's there's so many classes you you can't do everyone you can't yeah yeah i think it's pretty pretty or, cool or and you I, can, I but you. you can do you can do them, but uh, then you have to be like fucking crazy. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. bur- I, I would be burned out. You know, uh, I would be burned out. So, <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. You know, you want to try and attend everything, but it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I watch uh, Nate. I watch uh, your uh, your class from the Iceland camp with uh, the. Um, uh, I, I when I messaged you, I told you that I was working on the collar choke from uh, from the guard. That was the. The murderous ex choke. Yes, yes. Yeah. That yeah, is man. tight as fuck. I, I showed them to the guys here and they were like, damn, that's tight. And I did it. I almost catch a, caught a guy with it. I, I I didn't caught him, but almost. And I saw it on his face. This is fucking tight because I turned my hip around and I did exactly like you said. And I was uh, exactly like you said in the, in the video. And it's like that, that shit works, you know? And, uh, and when it's you. Nice, nice. Uh, I've been working on that for a long time, man. Yeah. yeah, and when you like uh, <clears throat> the other the other uh, version you show when you spin around when uh, um, when when you spin around and uh, take your legs uh, on top of his head when you have the choke yeah. in, I that one was like shit. <sighs> I never see, I, I I never seen it before, and I always had problems with finishing that choke. So it's like it it helps a lot because the the good old basic one doesn't work on 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 blue belts and purple belts and up it doesn't work. So you have to like improvise and more and have more details on it, I believe. Man, it's beautiful. I, I've actually um, I've been teaching that that series. I just taught that again this week on Tuesday, and tonight I used the basic 
uh, X choke from the the close guard on the super tough brown belt and caught him, man. And it's just like, oh shit! It's it, I was super happy because I just I you, sometimes you got to believe in the technique, man. You know that's how it is. Like yeah. you work really hard on making these refinements, and um, you know sometimes you got to just keep going back to the drawing board. But you know when the when the guys they hang out for a little too long in that space, then and you feel the things coming together, then that's really what it's all about is the mastery of the craft, you know, and there's always somebody there to challenge us and we always have to make refinements and that's how how this, you know, sport and this martial art of jujitsu continues to adapt for all of us. So it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Zach, do you do you use the same uh, choke? Yeah. Uh, He just he just jumped to the bathroom real quick. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I, I I'll uh, I'll ask him when he gets back. But yeah, that that choke is like it's very good. Right now it's uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna start using it again. So, uh, but right now I'm uh, I'm actually like watching the John da John Danner's uh, stuff with uh, breaking the grip from the armbar because I always had problems with that since I was a white belt from until now. So it's like it's Man. been like ten years in a struggle to not get an armbar on people unless they're <laughs> unless they're like a white belt who doesn't know too much. Then I get it. But uh, strong guys who like cross their hands is like it's always been a problem for me, like getting the armbar for uh, on guys. So yeah, I, I honestly I don't hunt the armbar that often from the bottom anymore. I usually will armbar people from the mount. You know, it's usually. I, I mean, I. It's funny, man. I used to take the back all the time in competition. I would be taking the back and choking, and slowly but surely, I've adopted the pressure passing game. And I find myself wanting to be on the mount and finishing from the mount more and more because I just feel it's it's such a dominating way to help people understand the truth of jujitsu. You know, yeah. it's just such a yeah. it's a very very realistic ending to the to the game. So yeah, it's. Uh, Yeah, it's it's nice, you know. I I also saw like um, I'm a half guard guy, so I'm like I'm I was looking for like a couple of new sweeps, and uh, I checked out some of Lovato's like uh, good sweeps, and he showed uh, some sweep that I learned from Gordo, the Gordo sweep. Uh, yeah, uh, and yeah, I've uh, I've used it in sparring, and uh, it works. It, it works. Well. It, it works as butter on the bread. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cool position, you know. Not too. It's kind of like, you know, Gordo's been around a long time, right? But people kind of forget about that yeah. variation of the half guard. Yeah, Gordo's legit as fuck. Oh, he's so yeah. good, man. He's a legend. Yeah, I uh, I trained with I I, I trained with him once. So. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, he's uh, he's very good. So, uh, but his his half guard stuff is that's legit stuff. You know, you can still use yeah. it. To, yeah. to, until this day, he's an innovator, man. Half guard. He's a half guard innovator. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's like from uh, the half guard guys that I like the most is like him and Lucas Leitch and uh, Jake McKenzie. Yeah, yeah that's nice. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I have. Yeah. So those three guys are like uh, Gordo is old school and J and Jake is more like new school and uh, then you have Lucas Leitch who has his own twist. So it's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been using his half guard too, like the Coyote half guard. When you're twisting the knee, it works very well. So I also use that one. Man, you almost got to. I realize I have to be careful with people with that. They'll almost hurt themselves if I if I lock them into the position. Yeah. 
it's not always I get it because I got other I got other like variations that I use. So it's like it's always it's uh, it's always fun to like uh, go to new places and try the stuff out. Absolutely. So, so what's your what's your what? The testing grounds. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite position, Zach? Adam, what's your favorite position? Um, I mean, I would again, I would prefer to be on top, you know. But I, I'd say my most developed position is probably like collar sleeve omoplata. You know, I've had a lot of success with that position um, over the years, and I do it. I do it with the left hand in the sleeve, so it would be on their left arm, just because typically most people are right-handed, so they have you know usually a little bit more control with that so i try and attack the weak side um but that's you know that's like my a game attack and i have a couple things built into that but definitely omoplata and you know we've always liked hand the collar that's a big part of lovato's game and just using the hand the collar as an offensive and kind of framing with it as a defensive position so feel very comfortable with hand the collar stuff and nice. using it to get underneath them and lift them as well. Nice. So I, I, I like that. I like that game. And a lot of people play, you know, if you watch the Mendez brothers, they play a lot of hand in the collar. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot, a lot of people do. So Lucas uh, Lepri as well. And you know, I, I do like some sit-up guard. Sit-up guard would be another position I've been playing for a long time. Um, but, you know, man, to be honest, I did this. I had my ACL knee reconstruction. And since then, um, you know, I've had to modify a little bit of the guard and the way that I play some stuff, you know. But that's just – that's kind of like what happened to Gordo too. Like oh, some shit. injuries forced him to modify yeah. some stuff, right? So I think in a way it's – your jiu-jitsu can adapt around your injuries as long as you don't give up, right? Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Uh, Nathan, what about you? What's your favorite position? Like guard or what do you play? Yeah, I mean, I used to be a big spider guard player, um, and now I feel like I've just kind of adapted my spider guard into kind of controlling the sleeves, but then more going for collar sleeve. I, I pr- pretty much do the same idea of playing on the left side um, because, you know, in, in jiu-jitsu, especially, you know, if you're looking at competition, you're trying to design high percentage strategies and you know, I would say probably 90% of people that do jiu-jitsu are right-handed. So when you control the left side, their passing to your right becomes a lot more difficult for them. They don't have that controlling hand that they're looking for to uh, make the connections that they need for their passing. So I do a lot of, um, you know, left hand. And I, I actually like a lot of Tomonagi. So I'll do a lot of Tomonagi-style sweeps getting underneath people. Or I'll arm drag. I'll do a two-on-one style arm drags to the back. Um, or, you know, that'll allow me to lock the arm up where I can find some some pretty clean sweeps from there. So No shit. Um, that's that's kind of my style to, to get to use the guard. And then, you know, I'm, I'm usually, even when I get to the back, I'm usually establishing grips that promote them turning back into me, giving them the ankle, um, so that I can put more pressure from the top on them. Um, I feel like even as, as I get older, I'm not very big, you know, I'm, I'm only 150 pounds, which I think, what is that? Like 60, 65 kilos. Um, I think they're like 40, 45. 
Yeah, like so, yeah. So, not a very big guy, and I got to use all the all the uh, techniques I can to put that pressure on the bigger guys. So I usually find that that's mm. on the mount because big guys have big necks, and I'm usually trying to mount and tire them out, wear their arms down, and then it'll give me some opportunities to attack a lot easier there. So yeah, uh, yeah. Like I, I was thinking now that uh, both uh, both you guys. Uh, Your game is very different, you know. You like to play another. You like to do Tominagi, and Sack likes to do collar and sleeve. So it's like uh, I would have thought that you were a close guard man, uh, Nathan. I do. I mean, that's what we're teaching all month. This month, I, I do play a lot of close guard. But again, like I'm not a very big guy, so it's like trying to muscle people from close guard. I have a few very clean techniques that will, you know, we're looking at this this month. I mean, that's obviously why I'm teaching the the X choke again. Um, and the, that series that I showed in Iceland. Um, and then, of course, you know, we, like in our association, we come from, you know, the Herrero brothers, and that's uh, Shanji. He's got his flower sweep from the close guard, which is something that we've adopted at a high level in our on our team and our association. So we'll be looking at stuff like that. And, um, you know, some we actually just had another great friend of ours, Ben Baxter, come out and share some knowledge from kind of arm dragging uh concepts the same thing that we were talking about to back takes and so I, i do use close guard but um i i feel like for me being a smaller guy i've got to get my legs in front of me where i can leverage a little bit more heavily with the tension on on the bigger guys and really challenge their base so they can't just settle in and hunker down on me um And, and partially that comes from a background of like self-defense, you know, like I'm not trying to hang out in the guard for, for too long because if I'm in the street, I'm trying to use my guard to effectively sweep someone or get up and get in, on top or in a more advantageous position. So mm. we do teach, you know, the concepts of, you know, pure self-defense, the sport aspect, obviously, because we've, you know, competition has been our main jive in jiu-jitsu for a long time. Um, and then, you know, there's just teaching the difference between, like, self-defense, <clears throat> no-gi, um, you know, gi, all, all those things are, are different depending on what your goals are, so. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So, how do you guys got into the Globetrotter scene? Like, um, what yeah, happened? Yeah, that was actually Gareth. Yeah, our friend Gareth McNamara. He's a, he's a judo black belt in Ireland. And he's also been a part of the Globetrotter camps. I don't know if you've ever got to catch him at a camp. I've heard of him, Or, yeah. Uh, I never trained with him, but yeah. I, I've heard of him. Yeah, great guy. Good friend of ours. Nice. And, um, he... We, we met him through our friend Dara O'Connell, who runs East Coast Jiu-Jitsu out there in Dublin. I know him. Uh, oh, yeah. I know yeah. him. You know he's, Dara? Yeah, I, I know him. He's, uh, I, uh, I trained with him once. He's, uh, he's very fun to train with. He's very good. Dara is super nice. Yeah. Super yeah. nice guy. Great instructor, man. Really yeah. awesome academy out there. Good people. So Yeah. Yeah, that's how we, we met Gareth. And then um, actually when my brother mentioned that we've, competed in japan when i was there in 2014 i met up with gareth he was training at the uh kodokan for for judo and so i i after i was done competing in nagoya i um, rode the shinkansen train into tokyo for a week and hung out with him there 
and um, awesome. We just always hit it off, had a great time, you know. And he mentioned that he had been he had this globetrotter thing scheduled and he's like man you love traveling like me and doing jiu-jitsu you should um you should talk to this guy christian he's doing this globetrotter thing and i didn't know anything about it at the time um and so i i looked into it and he gave me uh christian's contact information and so i emailed him and um basically we just reached out and said you know i mean it was such an amazing thing that he did at the time like especially to see it have grown into what it is now it's really you know he i I don't know if he had the vision of it becoming what it is now i mean i guess he talks a lot about it you know it's become something that he didn't imagine fully in the beginning but he had the foresight to bring a community of people together and offer something to people that didn't have instructors everywhere every corner of the world and you know it's a very special experience for a lot of people and for a lot of these people that didn't have black belts um or academies in their area Mm -hmm. you know having the camps to attend and that was literally something that kept them passionate enough about martial art and jiu-jitsu that they would continue training until the next year and i saw this happen year after year now to where i've seen you know the Globetrotters is a massive contributor to the growth of jiu-jitsu worldwide. It and is. If anybody doesn't know about the Globetrotters, they're really missing out on an opportunity to be a part of something that, you know, is a, a massive part of the jiu-jitsu community and jiu-jitsu as a whole. I mean, it's really, you know, it's grown into a, a monster. So it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah, I think it's the biggest affiliation in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Which just makes sense why the IBJJF is so threatened, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're so sensitive. <laughs> they see the potential there, and I think everybody else does too, and that's why we love it, because we all love being a part of something big where there's no control involved. It's just a bunch of people loving what we do unconditionally and contributing to one another, and it's a really great thing to have in the community where there's been a lot of, you know, negative um connotation towards you know ownership and teams and all these other things that just doesn't exist in the globetrotters man yeah it, so, yeah it doesn't exist it, it's a wonderful drama thing. free drama free man yeah. <laughs> you don't need that shit yeah <laughs> leave your ego at the airport <laughs> yeah yeah but like uh with teams and stuff like it's it's still a common problem you know if you're from that team you can if you're like uh for example like uh one team and you can't go for example to check mat and train with them or stuff like that i trained at, at a school who was at a small period of time and i was like he, he told us like okay if you're a, if you are in one city you should not go to that academy because uh if there is an academy that uh that is our affiliation you'd rather go there i was like you know what fuck that i'll train whatever i want you know I can, I, i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take a picture of it just to be an asshole well, that's the thing, man, is like, who, like, we're definitely not in the business of controlling people. And I'm not sure, like, you know, any great leader that was very successful in accomplishing something great for mankind wasn't very invested in controlling the individuals that surrounded them. He was simply a good enough leader that people wanted to continue being around them. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you, my brother and I have always, 
I mean, look, man, we live, live in a, a town of 7,000, just over 7,000 people. Like, if we don't create a fucking absolutely amazing experience, we don't have a fucking academy here. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's like the the crutch that some people have of the opportunity that people will just walk into their gyms or they have these massive populations to feed off of. Like we've never had that. And so it has forced us to create something really special. And we are, you know, feel very blessed to have been able to create that. And it's really due to the people, you know, we try and create the atmosphere, but the people that we have here with us that we're surrounded by and that is the life blood of the academy like that's that's our greatest uh, success here you know and, and we've done a very good job of offering jujitsu to the community but it's really turned into more of like a life enhancement center for everybody that's involved because we all know how good jujitsu is for us it does so many things for us you know yeah yeah i totally agree so it's uh like the academy has told you like you can't train there and you can't train there is like it's toxic i believe yeah i feel, I feel like in a lot of ways jiu-jitsu's outgrown that stuff but yeah. not everywhere <laughs> there's some people trying to hold on to the little mindset they'll, they'll probably die with it you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's like uh, you you're not gonna have any students uh, if you continue doing if you're like uh, if you don't have an open mind you know just if people yeah. want to go train another place, they can do that. You know, they will still like you will still not lose them as a member. You know, they just go another place to train. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah, there's too many options now. Before, you know, you didn't used to have any options really, so you'd be stuck in a between a hard rock and a hard place if you wanted to get any training. But now, man, there's there's so many options and and so many good people willing to take students in. So it's 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 a great thing for jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. i totally agree it's for, it's forcing the instructors the only way to keep you know if you want to keep good students for a long time you really have to keep improving yourself you can never stop work you know working on your craft or people will recognize that you're burnt out and they'll go somewhere where people aren't burnt out and they're getting better quality service so in a way it will it will it's like quality control man you know like if people are not into it it will show and they'll have a small school you know, and it creates opportunity for people that really want to do it for real to uh, have a nice big student base, even in a small town. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, actually, I want to I want to say something about that, man. Just for for all the listeners that do hear this, I I really want to give a shout out to all of the instructors. Uh, you know, my friends in America here, and anybody else around the world that's that's lost their academy. Um, due to the shutdown and COVID is like, man, it's an absolute tragedy to see these people that have put their life into something and their communities to lose that. It's just, it's really heartbreaking, man. And I'm just, I want to send all those people my love and and hope that they find a way to get back to where they were at some point. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think people will appreciate that. It's it's very sad, you know, to see uh, after what happened with the with the COVID nineteen situation and stuff like that. It's uh, it's very sad to see that people as a closer businesses, no matter what it is, but especially for us who love who uh, who are into jiu-jitsu and people have to close their school because. Uh, That's sad, man. Yeah. People are, people are losing their therapy. This is math therapy for a lot of people, and 
you know, when they get that taken away, they they find they usually go into substance abuse or they get depressed or they're just not as fulfilled as they can be. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's very, very unfortunate that, uh, a lot of people aren't being able to do any jujitsu right now where their school's closed. And I hope that, uh, you know, we're, we're not exactly following the rules exactly the way we should be. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, our members that are here are so grateful that we're able to offer anything for them. And that right there, seeing their gratitude, seeing the way it's improving their life, hearing their testimony of how it's, you know, keeping them, you know, uh, I don't know, what would you say, Nate? Just like through this stress, they have something that's a positive to lean on right now. Without that, it could be, um, they have a big loss in their life, you know. So. Uh, jiu-jitsu is a lot of our, our, a lot of us that do jiu-jitsu know it's been our saving grace for a long time, and that's why we do it. And mm-hmm. It's why people that quit jiu-jitsu have it constantly in the back of their mind because we all know how good it is for us. It's not just some, some sport that you just go practice it's a it's a deep level of social bonding that you create with these people and and you end up loving them just like your own family and so it's you know for a lot of us that's um when you lose the ability to i mean to be honest a lot of us have people in jujitsu that we feel closer to than our family. <laughs> Let's yeah. just be honest, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and I, I agree. The experiences that we've shared with them, I just it's, it's a very deep level of, of connection um, to your fellow human being. And so, you know, when you lose that, it's uh, deeply concerning and, you know, it, very, it, it hurts people. And, and we've definitely seen that happening, uh, not just in our community, but... You know, through the Globe Charter Network, I have so many connections all over the world, which um, I'm super, super grateful for because it's given me a broader perspective of what's happening and how people are reacting, depending on what's going on in these different areas around the globe. And you know, it's just um, it's a rough time for everybody, man. So yeah. if I can encourage anybody to do anything, just find a place to get in there and train with somebody, anybody, anywhere you can. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. Just like do what you can do. You know, for me, it's uh, here. While I'm still at my mom's place, we're uh, we're training like three times three times a week, but it works. You know, and uh, yep. we 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 don't need to worry about uh, about the school closing down because uh, the place we we have now is is free. We don't pay. We don't. That's we we don't pay nothing. You know, the rent is free. You know, because it's at. Uh, at, uh, at my training partner's workplace, so the rent is free. We don't uh, we don't pay nothing, so yeah. it's uh, it's very good. That's so good, man. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I actually talked to one of my uh, my other friends in the, who who, li- who lives in the city where I where I normally live. Uh, she was like, "Damn, I miss rolling with you. Damn, I I, I miss rolling. I miss rolling." I miss the 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 fun the fun roles we had and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, I miss it too. You know, it's a lot of fun. So it's like, yeah, I can uh, understand what you guys mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people missing out right now. So yeah, and it's a little controversial too, man. Like some of the community in jujitsu thinks people shouldn't be training. You know, they think it's uh, reckless or you could be putting people's lives at risk. You know, obviously we don't. 
agree with that mindset or that logic or whatever their lot that you know wherever they're coming from with that mm. so it's a little bit of a weird uh even some of our own students don't agree with us you know operating in any of our classes and we're not really open to the public right now um we're like a private club basically yeah you know and we've lost you know we were over 200 students and now we're down to 80 um Unfortunately, man, if our school went out of business, people would just be like, oh, that's that's too bad, you know, and we don't really want to just go down like that. We put 12 years into remodeling this building and building up our student base, and, you know, if people were getting really sick around here, we would close we would close up for a while, but yeah, that's not the case, you know, so we're going to try and fight and keep the dream alive. We've got one complaint through, like, a a local body that regulates stuff like that. Um, and we were able to kind of get it, talk to the, talk to them and get it worked out and whatnot. So we can continue, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a little sketchy, but it's, it's definitely a sketchy time to be an Academy owner a little bit. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It is. Where, uh, <clears throat> where do you guys live by the way? We're in Seaside, Oregon, which is an hour and a half Northwest of Portland, which is our biggest city in Oregon. So we're in, like my brother said, we're in a city of 7,000 people and our county is only about 33,000 people and we're com comprised of kind of little touristy beach town, sleepy little beach town areas. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Yeah. I, I Google it now. It looks like, uh, it looks very nice, you know, it looks like a, yeah. a resort. Yeah, it yeah. is a little resort town. Yeah, yeah it looks like a little Belgium's. resort town. It looks like, looks like a small town in Spain. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's beautiful in the summer, man. I mean, it's it's gorgeous here. I mean, right. it's gorgeous all year round. You get all four seasons. Just you get a little tired of the rain come January, February. You're ready to get out for a little bit. <laughs> uh, damn, I, I have to visit here. Here when the quarantine is over. Damn, I I have to go here. Uh, man, Please, we we man. get a lot of international tourism, and you know we've been all over Europe as well. And we we think this area at certain times of the year, this area is just as beautiful as pretty much anywhere else i mean yeah you you really it's hard to beat it you know that's a no matter where i've been able to travel all over the world i've oh, i always love coming home which is you know something that i feel really fortunate for just being in this area is it's hard to beat man you got the the ocean that butts up to huge old growth forests scaling up into the giant mountains i mean you got rivers just everything you can imagine for recreation and uh scenery You know, you got a lot of wildlife and so many beautiful little beaches sprinkled along the coastline from here to Northern California. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I always feel bad for people that say they came to the West Coast and they just went to LA or like down like Southern California. I mean, it's nice down there because you got a little warmer water in the sun. But to be honest, the beaches don't even come close to comparing to the Oregon beaches. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's different. Here, man. It's different. I, I can see it's different. I, I've been to I I've been to L.A. once, so uh, I can see it's um, it's a bit different. You know, it's uh, it's not. It, it seems like it's another feeling being uh, at seaside than being in L.A. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you get the big city. You get a lot of things in L.A. You definitely can't get in seaside either. So if, if that's what you're looking for, then you'll find it there for sure. It's just if you're looking for smaller areas that have you know amazing scenery and all the other things that i've described then that's a it's a it's hard to beat it here that's for sure 
Yeah, damn. Yeah, I gotta visit her one. I gotta visit her one day for sure. I gotta visit uh, that place and I gotta visit your academy. You won't regret it, man. We'll make sure it's a memorable trip for you. Yeah, come yeah stay for anytime. sure. Yeah, for sure. Same with you guys. You want to come Norway? Just uh, come over. You know, fix it up. Well, we will. Yeah, I actually do want to come to Norway. It's been a goal of mine for a while now. Yeah, yeah. we were actually talking about that not too long ago. Come at the summer. That's the best time. You know, winter is cold as fuck. So, uh, so yeah. summer, winter is here is very nice. You know, if you go to certain areas in Norway, like Norton in Norway is like super beautiful. Uh, certain areas in Norway, like Tromsø and stuff like that is very beautiful. You can see the Norton light if you want to see that. That's a very beautiful yeah. city too. So, uh, but besides, besides those stuff, it's, uh, it's a bit cold and the weather could be a, could be a little bit rough so it depends what you're looking for but the summer here is very beautiful for sure yeah we will absolutely take you up on that don't be surprised when uh, we roll through <laughs> yeah i just gotta i just need a new place to stay because uh the place that i that i'm staying at now it's very small i can't barely have visitors so uh <laughs> yeah i don't live like a king i uh i live very low maintenance if i could say that so yeah, uh, that's like, that. mm -hmm. that's like yeah, I have an apartment at the school, um, and I do the same thing, man. I try and keep things very simple. Yeah, I don't care it about. It affords us more money to be able to travel and save, and you know we don't need a whole lot. Same with my bro. We if you come out to Seaside, you'll see he lives within a block. I live next to the you know at the school, an apartment that I built out. Uh, one of our other coaches lives you know a house away. Another coach lives right a house away, so it's just a bunch of us that live right here. You know? No shit. Yeah, it's, it's nice. You know, you, thanks. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So, uh, are you uh, are you guys going to the winter camp? Man, I don't know. I don't think we're gonna be able to travel. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're while still here, at least internationally. Yeah, I'm not sure what our what our our restrictions aren't looking very good here right now so you're not allowed to they have like close to borders right no you know the problem is is it's real sketchy you don't know if you're gonna have to get locked up for 14 days or if you get to travel through some places are different so it's really hard to tell i've seen most of the canadians and americans are staying put right now i don't really know of anybody that's not in big business that isn't traveling or that's traveling i mean so um I think it's, you know, who, who knows? I guess things are supposed to get easier after the election. So we'll see, see what happens here. But um, yeah, yeah. right now it's just, it's sketchy. I'd rather stay home. You know, I just got myself a sprinter van so that I can travel around a little more easily without having to worry about too many things. But, um, you know, I mean, trying to be smart and, and uh safe as well and i just i don't know like traveling by plane doesn't seem that fun to me for sure right now <laughs> no um no, it's and not. the restrictions like i said I, I we just really don't know i'd have to do some more research to be confident to get on a plane and travel somewhere right now so <laughs> yeah so you uh but like the the winter camp is not until like january 2021 so you still got time it's a, it's a little little ways away. Yeah, but and it's so wild what they're predicting with uh, what's going to happen here. You know, like the states is our our cases are are going through the roof, man. Right now, like we just had the highest 
over a hundred thousand cases in one day. It's what they're claiming, and just it seems like they're they're, they're building back up the fear yeah, train, man. Our, our uh, things are already getting shut down. I just talked oh. to my buddy in Kansas. I guess his kids this next week have to go back to remote learning. So it's like, you know, how are how are people supposed to function? Like all of a sudden, you've got it's too dangerous. Like I don't know of a single kid. Like it's so such a rare situation for kids to even get this shit and spread it at all like yeah it's, yeah you know i don't know man they they got these parents basically on lockdown with their kids trying to teach them and try and make money and it's just people's businesses are going under and yeah. i don't know what the i don't know what people's plan is you know yeah and it's, an, it's every, sketchy everybody times. it seems like everybody that still has their job and is working is totally fine with the shutdowns and you know whatever else has to happen for their safety and everybody else that's losing their livelihood, we would like to see something else done or, um, or over the fear and they're just kind of needing to get back to living or what is the other option? Mm. There is no other option besides being, having a big enough government that they can provide for all of us. So I'm, I'm more in the, the, school of thought of like, dude, I'll go crawl into the woods and survive on my own. If I have to, I'd way rather do that than, plan on having a government provide for me i don't i don't like that idea no i've told, just never, never been in that boat you know that's why i never i didn't even do the college thing because i figured man why fucking if i work for four years straight how the fuck can i be in a position where i could already afford payments on a house and a car and all these other things like it didn't make any sense to me so you know i just I didn't have a reason to go to college though as well. So I'm not discouraging people from education at all. I'm just saying for myself, I was more against the grain from the beginning. So this sort of thing is, it's hard for me because I see, you know, whether people feel their fears are legitimate or not, or their concerns or whatever they want to call them. Um, you know, it is, very controlling of a huge group of people who are losing their livelihoods due to their reaction. Mm. And it's strange that they're asking that giant group of people to be courteous of their opinions when they're crushing their lives. So yeah. it's, it's not the easiest way to get people to jump on your train of belief and thought and just, just throwing that out there for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like times now is like, is like very hard for people, especially like, uh, or maybe it depends, like uh, which country you're in. You know, it's uh, it's a little bit worse for like in the states. They're they're in Europe or in Norway for for that sake. So yeah, it's like very different from from every one of us. You know, and uh, here uh, here they're like not so strict, but they're still strict. But uh, it's not like we're not going on lockdown. I saw that the UK is going on lockdown now. Here they're not going on lockdown. Damn. Wow. Yeah, man. I think with the lockdown, there's just no way for societies to function, man. Yeah, it's no, like, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work for long periods yeah. of time. No. Yeah, it's, it's. I think there's gonna be a lot of um, things that come from this whole, all of this time and all these changes. You know, things that are a ripple effect through society that we don't understand yet. That will come, you know, years down the road. I mean, I can't imagine like. You know, if I was a child, I can only imagine, like, if I was had to wear a mask for over a year, I would, I don't know how I'd be getting over feeling like I wouldn't, like, every year I wouldn't need to wear that, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So it's just kind of, it's an interesting thing to see society changing right now and the way people react to the information that comes out. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, everybody's going to take it a different way. And I'm just trying to be as courteous as possible of everybody's opinions and, and ways that they're thinking. And I hope that they can be uh, courteous enough to let me go about doing the things that I would feel would be important in my life too. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. I agree. Uh, do do they have like uh, a lot of competition nowadays? I've seen that some have some local competitions. Uh, how smart is that? I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of competition going on in the states. You know, it's it's funny here in in the U.S. because in some states everything's completely open. Like I went out and competed in Oklahoma in uh, October. You know, and then like you can go down to Texas and compete. You can go out to Florida. So we're running lots of tournaments, but it's out there in more, I guess it's in more of our conservative states, I guess is what you'd say, where they're just a little bit more pro-freedom, I guess, um, is the only way you can really word it, because that's, they're just kind of allowing people to do whatever, um, which is nice, because a lot of competitors can go out there and still make a living right now, yeah. kind of keep their dream alive, and from what I've seen, they've been doing it for months, you know, the Vato schools in Oklahoma, and he's been running his school with no problems. So I think it's cool. Um, and we've always had to travel for any major competition. So it's nothing new for us to have to do that. Um, so man, yeah, it's I mean, all good. If we got to travel to go compete at a majors, we've always had to do that in the past. Um, and we will for sure in 2021 be taking our team to a couple big tournaments and, uh, yeah, it's okay. We don't, you know, we always had the benefit of, having things right in California or they were starting to bring tournaments to Oregon. But if we can't get something local, then we'll, we'll modify and make it work, you know? Yeah. I would say, you know, like the biggest thing, if people are going to ask me if I think it's safe to, um, conduct a jujitsu tournament right now, I would have to say absolutely yes, because if it wasn't, then there would have already had to have been something done about the protests that would have just been a breeding ground for this virus. And yeah, they're ta- yeah, they're taking precautions and using masks and uh, and uh, washing the masks all the time. So it's uh, yeah, I would say yeah. I, I, and and they're like I don't know how much how uh, how well they're doing with the distance, but it's uh, as long as uh, as long as it is safe, it's uh, it's good, you know. As long as they keep yeah. it safe. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact is right now is there's been no outbreaks of sickness at any of the tournaments. There's been no outbreaks of sickness at any academy that I know of anywhere that's been open uh, since March, you know, when this thing's kicked off here, at least in America. So, um, you know, I I think that yeah, it's, either, it's either the jiu-jitsu community and the people still doing jiu-jitsu are all asymptomatic and immune or it's that there's a certain level of health that's in that community and it seems that they're all able to um, live life without um, getting extremely ill right now, you know? Um, So, yeah. Yeah, we're not like uh, GSU people. Most GSU people are not obese. So it's... uh... Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Most of us don't smoke cigarettes. Most of us aren't raging alcoholics. Most of us aren't you know, obese, there's a, it's, it's just a, yeah, it's a healthier way to, to be. 
<laughs> we know that. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's uh, that has some some part to do with it because the tournaments <laughs> are safe because like Jiu-Jitsu people are, uh, yeah, I would say healthy more or less, and not like yeah. going to Burger King all the time or McDonald's and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, and then you know the other side of the coin is it's also impressive that you know the the mass of uh, populations of homeless i mean there's been no riddlement of virus going through those people either i mean they're they're essentially all immune to this thing <laughs> huh that's know? weird i mean they don't yeah. uh... i mean literally like that's that's there's been a lot of question about that and, and it's uh, i mean they even found elements of the black plague in on skid row in, in la and it's like but there's no coronavirus anywhere <laughs> down huh. so it's uh, it's interesting man it's um you know from from what we've seen here in america it seems like the old and people that are extremely obese or lifelong smokers that are over a certain age those seem to be the people that are having issues and yeah or diabetic you know, or diabetics or yeah people who who, yeah, who, yeah. who 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 are like in the danger zone yeah yeah so i think the the trick is now trying to have a society that functions where we can keep those people safe and give them um the same uh opportunities that everybody else that's healthy does but uh we've got to create a space where the healthy people can move about and do what they would do because we are going to be the ones that keep the country going unless the plan is we don't need any workers and nobody's going to be keeping the country going except for the government so <laughs> yeah exciting times uh, exciting times ahead totally man <laughs> some something's gonna happen you know i like i just can't wait to travel again you know it's uh yeah i know dude. some I know. something's missing something's really missing here there's been a lot of questions, unanswered questions. Hopefully, we get some answers down the road here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fucking hope so because like this is starting to get a, get a little bit boring because I miss traveling and train jiu-jitsu and compete and uh, yeah, meeting new guys on the mat is like uh, one of the funniest things that I do. So uh, yeah, it, it it's a big like part of my uh, identity that is gone right now because I can't travel. Man, I feel a lot of people are feeling this way right now. You know, they're. At- uh, I'm a little bit worried about this winter, you know, especially in some of our areas where, um, you know, the weather gets pretty bad in the winter. This is a lot of people's outlet. And I think for kids, too, they're doing a lot of at-home learning this year. And it's just uh, a little bit worried about people, the depression stuff this winter. But hopefully things will get back to normal here soon. And we just got to try and be, you know, optimistic, I guess. And, Luckily, our residents here in Seaside will be able to train jiu-jitsu, so at least we have a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for people out here. Yeah, let's let's hope so. You know, it's uh, you guys are from a small town, so it's like the outbreak from the virus is not like as crucial as it is in New York, for example, right? No, man, there's uh, nothing going on out here. I mean, we have some cases, but there's literally been no one sick and no one at the hospital, not a single death. So it's it. We're really. Um, you know, people could say lucky here, but I think it's just, uh, you know, if I had to guess, like uh, there was, and they all had the same symptoms of this coronavirus or COVID. And, uh, and a lot of us firmly believe that we already went through our bout of COVID and everybody here 
is, you know, there's just a massive group. I mean, everybody gets sick at the beach, you know, during the winter. Like when, when somebody starts getting sick, like it's a small community, like everybody's intertwined at the, at the schools and everything. So, which is why people I'm sure would be concerned about the spread, but you know, uh, it's just, uh, I think we already went through it and, you know, from what we're seeing, anybody, any cases that are, are confirmed here, there's just no sickness that comes along with it. Luckily. Um, I mean, I can't say absolutely none. I'm sure people have gotten sick, but they're, they have not been hospitalized. So they've been able to recover at home and, and haven't had any long lasting effects, um, on their bodies. So we're, we're really, we we're, we're sitting pretty good here as far as that's concerned. Mm, yeah. Uh, back to another thing. Um, how is it rolling with Lovato? <laughs> you both can answer uh, that question. You both can answer, answer the question how you like. Pounds on me. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty, uh, pretty heavy. Yeah, I mean that's he's the king of the smash pass, this pressure passing system, you know. So he's uh, he's been he's been pressure passing us since we were purple belts. It's been terrible every every time. It doesn't get any better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's not getting any younger. So it's like yeah, he's getting the old man strength now. He puts so much work in with his uh, coach Lucius Tyree and the strength and conditioning, and you know, with his movement coach uh, Cameron Shane at the Budokan, and he's always changing with Shanji, and now the the young gun Victor Hugo. I mean, this is just yeah. a beast squad, you know. Uh, Brian Piccolo for his wrestling coach. I mean, he's just got a, a an absolute dream team of people around him, and he, man, I, I'm I'm confident that there's no other jujitsu athlete out there that pushes themselves in uncomfortable spaces as often as he does. You know, we've been watching him do it for well over a decade now. Um, and he just lives in that space of hurt, man. So when it comes to game time, it's, it's, it's way easier for him. So we, we've been a part of that for a long, long time. And, He's helped us build a lot of mental strength and we pass that on to our students and we're super grateful for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Nath, actually, I'm, uh, I was supposed to like start watching your uh, Lovato style passing from the sand camp soon because I want to see how, uh, how you pass with, uh, with Lovato style. So I'm, I'm definitely going to start checking that out soon. Yeah, that's a good one, man. You know, I, I'm, I feel like uh, I feel successful because, you know, he, uh, Professor Lovato gives me credit that, and my brother, of course, as well, like we, we've been able to adopt the pressure passing system and we, we teach it and he sees value in what we're doing and sharing. So I feel um, like I'm a successful student and that makes me really happy, you know, so uh, please, yeah, please look at it. Give me any, you know, comments and ideas and if i can help with anything let me know yeah for sure for sure i'm definitely gonna do that because i'm like uh i, I feel like i'm gone i've gone like a, a little bit away from my passing i feel like i'm doing still like the old stuff that i'm doing it is, it's working it's not it's not that it doesn't work but um i need some uh some new ideas you know and uh, some new techniques and uh some new style of passing like to so i can uh yeah evolve myself too yeah man you're ready for the brown belt passing <laughs> <laughs> let's hope so let's hope so you know it's uh yeah let's hope so 
the brown belt passing is gonna be uh, yeah tough but good I hope <laughs> like uh, I want to like to try try and uh, when I get the brown belt it's like uh, yeah let's hope I can uh, at least try to pass some uh, some black belts you know and uh, going for the hunt yeah that's that's man. the that's the mindset man you know we're always teaching our students you know even at at white belt it's we're not teaching them to fight other white belts we're teaching them everything we've learned and everything that we know to teach them how to fight the black belts i mean that's the mentality is teaching them black belt techniques the mastery of the craft so that by the time they're black belt we're all studying together and they have just as much to contribute and share you know it's that's the beautiful thing about our craft is So there's just so much information out there and so many people putting the work in to, to develop it. It's just really neat, man. Mm, for sure. Have you guys been like down to uh, California or to train with Shanji and those guys? Oh, yeah. I've been down to the university a few times. Definitely got down to train with Solo and Shanji. And uh, just saw Shanji out in Oklahoma not too long ago. So, yeah, spent some time with both of those guys. Those guys have had a influence for sure on our mount pressure passing stuff because their jiu-jitsu like people will say it's really uh basic but it's just various efficient basics so it complements all the lots of style stuff um really nicely and they're a little more compact than rafael so it's cool to kind of get a similar look um a slightly different look at the same positions you know and you can learn a lot from solo and shanji in just one session mm. so yeah we definitely yeah. try and try and get time with them and they're just you know, Shanji is really fun to spend time around especially man yeah yeah he's a nice guy I'm, I met him a couple of times he's very nice he's he's a very nice guy yeah he's cool man yeah same, same as Saulo you know I, I met him too uh, once and I sat and talked talk with him for like uh, I think it was 15 minutes at the world so I just sat there and talked to him he was like super nice guy yeah yeah and Shanji's still competing man like he's still getting out there every now and then he's still doing stuff you know so respect to the uh the guys that have been around a long time and still are finding the motivation to get out there and do a few matches you know yeah does um uh does uh, Saulo still has the the old school uh the old school pressure passing as he uses oh yeah oh yeah, yeah sure. definitely. is he's like yeah, is he still like hardcore and a lot a lot of pressure and stuff like that as he as he used to Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's his. That's his stuff for sure. Yeah, he's not. He's not trying to hang out on the bottom for too long, man. <laughs> no, he's not a guard. He, he's not a guard player. He's like, uh, he's good on top, <laughs> but he can play guard if he want to, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, thing I remember with him was like uh, he had he had so much pressure, you know. I remember uh, he choked a guy. I think it was the Worlds in uh, Worlds Masters in 2016, and maybe I think he uh, he just put his uh, his thumb in the guy's collar and just put the weight on, and the guy tapped, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I mean that's that's the thing is like Rafael's been dealing with that for years and years. Yeah. <laughs> From Sala and Shanji yeah. to back, and I mean that guy is. It's no wonder his guard is so developed. I mean, <laughs> he's had to deal with pure hell, man. Yeah, because of like uh, Salo and his pressure and Shanji and uh, yeah, yeah. But their style are like very different, right? Uh, Shanji is more like uh, a little bit more modern than Salo, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think like. 
Let's see. What's the difference? I think Shanji. I think he likes. He's a little more dynamic, maybe, in, in his movement. Sala's just very direct. Um, so I don't know if that's a good explanation between the two of them, but similar style, though, like in like pressure, flow, finish. You know, they they both want to get on top and X choke you. Um, yeah. So, so similar in playing like butterfly guard, close guard, kind of classic positions. Yeah. What about um, Lovato and Shanchi? Is like big different uh, difference in the game that they play. Lovato can play a couple, some of the longer De La Hiva stuff. Um, Shanji's not as long, you know what I mean. So he can play a little bit of that stuff, and um, also he's a little bit longer for some of his passing. He can do like some of the flop passing stuff and a few things that Shanji can't do quite the same. So yeah, there's there's some similarities, but also some differences. And some, you know, Rafael didn't start training with those guys until he was already a black belt, and he kept some things that he learned from his first instructor and just kind of modified it. So he does do a little bit different stuff, um, but also has the roots of the Habero style. You know. Ah, nice. Have you rolled with Dad? Uh... One time, I mean, with his dad, Rafael Lovato Sr. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Sr., he was one of the, you know, he was really the first guy, actually, that we met when we went to Oklahoma. He took us in and walked us around the city, and we stayed at his house, and he treated us just like family. So he was a big, he was an integral part of, you know, he and Cindy, they treated us just wonderful. That's uh, Rafael's parents, and just like, you know, so that was a, a big part of our first trip out there and feeling welcome and a part of the team. And, um, yeah, we've, we, I've trained with him many times, man. We've had him out to the Academy here and, uh, he's, he's an amazing instructor, you know, and, and just a really great person. So you know, yeah. we always enjoy, I try and catch a train with him every time I go to Oklahoma, man. Nice. Nice. So he still, uh, he still goes out there and roll with the young guns. Yeah, man, he'll still jump on the mat, and you know what he's looking for is is he just wants to get on the mat and train and learn, and so there's he you know he kind of picks and chooses the right people to train with, and we we've always been very fortunate to have a a great relationship with the Lovatos. They've always treated us like family, so you know it's, we're not just students. I mean, of course we are their students first and foremost, but we're all family and. And they treat us just that way. So, you know, we, it's, it's really nice to have that connection to your instructors and your team. Um, so it, it always feels like going home when we go back to Oklahoma. And, you know, Professor Lovato Jr., he'll, he'll always say the same thing about coming out to Seaside. This is uh, one of the places he spent the most time uh, on the mats away from his, his team at home. So it's, it's a really great relationship that we have with him. That's nice. Yeah, I got the same with my instructor too, but uh, he's in Brazil, so I, I don't I don't get to see him so often. Ah, uh, yeah, especially right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like uh, I'm under the uh, grappling fighting banner. Oh, cool. All right. So uh, I've been to like uh, been to Mayer and train with uh, train with uh, the guys over there, like the, the headquarters uh, of GFT. Yeah. It's like it's very tough. Yeah. It's very tough. 
Yeah, that place looks like a tough place to train, man. <laughs> yeah, they're, the guys there are very good, you know, and uh, yeah, the, the competition training is very grueling, but it's it's a lot of fun, you know. They're they're not assholes, and uh, they're, they're not assholes when they roll with you. They're like, if you have an injury, they respect it and stuff like that, but it can still go hard and with it, without uh, injuring you, so it's very nice. There are a lot of foreigners there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. And... Uh, so sometimes it is foreigners, but sometimes not. I've I've met couple, but not too many because it's it's very far from the city. It's like more in the north zone, so it's very dangerous there at the night. So yeah, many yeah, that's what it looks like. yeah, because many people don't go there because it's it's dangerous. So but but I go there because uh, I I like to train hard and um, yeah. I like the environment, you know, it's it's fun because I take an Uber there and the Uber picks me up uh, right outside the gym. So I just go straight back from where I uh, from where I got from. So, yeah, it works very well. I would love to go there someday, man. That's a pretty iconic gym there. Yeah, and the, and, uh, the big boss over there, Jubileo, he's uh, an yeah. amazing guy. You know, he doesn't care about if you train at the other gyms and stuff like that. He doesn't care about that. Does he, does he speak English? A little, a little. Okay. A little. He uh, he lived in California for I think uh, about a year or two, so uh, I think he speaks better now than he did before. Okay. So uh, yeah, he's uh, he's super nice guy. You know, he uh, he's very he, he's got a very open mind uh, to training and um, and uh, you know he's not like the old school guy who says like you have to train here or uh, you can't go to another place to train. He doesn't care about that. You know he. He just want to. He just wants you to succeed and train. And if you travel, travel to visit another gym, it's okay. You know, he doesn't care. So yeah, man, yeah. the way it should be. And he's like you said, he's an OG. Like yeah, he's, he's been around for, and and, he, and that's why the leader he is is why he has so many champions. I think. Yeah, know? yeah, and he's like a coral belt. So he's been been around yeah. for a long time. He's been around since the seventies, I think. Cool. Yeah, but he's not my main instructor though. He's just the big boss. So he, he's the big boss of GO team. But my main instructor is not him. He's another. He's another black belt of uh, from him. That is, that's my instructor. Okay. So uh, gotcha. yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm uh, when I'm in Rio, I spend a lot a lot of time with him and uh, train a lot with him. And uh, he's like uh, telling me how I'm going to do in competitions. He's like very supportive instructor. You know, he's a very good instructor. So uh, when I get back, I'm definitely going to train with him. His name is Bruno. So uh, okay. he's like, uh, he, I think he was he was with Gracie Umaita before, but he left because he felt the lack of competition, competition training wasn't there. So he's like, uh, he went to GF team and Julio just took him in, and he stayed stayed ever since. So, so uh, yeah, but he, he he's a very good coach, you know. It's uh, we're, we're friends outside the mat too. We uh, we hang around at the beach, drink coffee and stuff like that, and uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's what you want. You want a relationship with somebody that's like you feel like you can actually, you know, like you're going to be friends with this person for your, your whole life, I guess, if they're your instructor, essentially. So you want to be the right person, somebody you actually want to hang out with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, he told me like, uh, you know, if you uh, if you manage to like win Grand Slam, then uh, I'm going to consider is consider like giving you a bomb. But we'll see what happens. He said, but I'm going to consider it. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a big milestone, but uh, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Man, we'll, we'll... I mean, that's, that's, 
that, that's uh, if you can win that stuff, you're looking good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I I don't compete regular jitsu anymore. I'm I'm a power athlete because I got lower paralysis in my legs, so I have to use half guard. I can't use close guard. So I compete in power jitsu now. I didn't do it before, but now I do. Interesting. Okay, that's awesome. So uh, I got like, uh, yeah, and I got some problems with my shoulders and stuff like that. But it's uh, the leg is the worst. So, uh, but it doesn't matter. You know, I can still hang, hang and roll with good guys, and yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's awesome, awesome, man. Thank it's you, back. thank you. So, uh, so yeah, I comp- I competed twice, uh, twice at Grand Slam in Rio in uh, yeah. Yeah, twice in in the in the para in, in the para division, and those guys are fucking tough. You know, the first fight I had last year, the guy armbarred me, so I was like, "Damn." <laughs> yeah, there's people that don't fuck around. They go to that. I, I follow a couple guys on Instagram that. Uh, yeah, that's their whole thing. That's jiu-jitsu full time for those tournaments. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and and that guy was a para para athlete, and he just armbarred me, and I was like, "Fuck!" I came here and I fucking lost the first fight. I got the second fight. I lost that one too, but I lost some points. So it's like, okay, it's a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, to win like para jiu-jitsu in the Grand Slam or in LA, try to win those. That's that's the goal now. You know, it's that's I just awesome, have, man. Yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, challenge. It is, it is, you know, and but competed regular before too, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, you know, to compete regular. But uh, I've I've done well, you know. I uh, I haven't won like uh, the thing that I wanted to win, but I've done well, you know. And but it yeah, is. just alone, just getting out there and competing. I mean, how much it, it helps you improve a ton, don't you think? Just just getting out there and challenging yourself, and the preparation before you're way more focused and. Yeah, yeah, man, I think, it, yeah, you get out there with the regular and then you go back and you're going to do any other thing. And then and it's like, man, you get to cheat yourself. Like, as I, it's like the story my friend told me is on this long walk with his father and his feet hurt so bad. He's like, I can't walk any further. And his father said, give me your shoes. And so he puts rocks in his shoes. He's like, put your shoes back on, take 10 steps. And so he's walking with the rocks in his shoes and it hurts so bad. And then he's like, all right, give me your shoes. He takes the rocks out and he lets, puts the shoes back on. And he's like, all of a sudden he can walk again because it hurts a lot less. Oh, shit. Right? That's that's the same mentality, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good story. I never heard that before. Yeah. That's a true story, actually, from one of my one of my coaches back in the day. That was a story from him and his father that were on a, a long 100-mile trek with his family. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's really, it taught me a lot, actually. Yeah, interesting, man. It's it's good. So uh, yeah. I'm gonna ask another question too. Uh, I, I ask uh, every guy I have on my podcast uh, on uh, about this question. Uh, what what would you like? Uh, what advice would you give to a guy who is uh, wants to start jujitsu but he's like. You know the lame, stupid excuses that people come with. Uh, I gotta get in shape, or I'm just like they're a little bit intimidated, or whatever the reason. What would your advice be? Or say, uh, yeah. both of you? You know, I, I want to hear 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 from both of you. Zach, Nathan. Zach will go first. I mean, first thing I'd say is try and find a school that appears to have a good reputation from the outside. You know, because not everywhere you go is going to 
you're not gonna, it's all about the experience, right? And so you want to make sure that people are, can be big on first impressions, that they get treated the right way or get, you know, greeted with good energy on their first night. So if they can get a recommendation from a friend, I'd say that could go a long way depending on where they're at. If there's only one place where they're at, then, you know, if they could go, let's say, email ahead, let them know that you're coming in and then show up ready to learn. And if it doesn't, if, they, if it doesn't, if they don't feel, if it doesn't have a good vibe, the you know, then go try another spot. That's what I'd say. You know, eventually, if they can go with a friend or a brother or a colleague, that will probably make the experience better too. Because then you guys can work together. You show up to class together. You know, you're not working with some random person right off the gate. So, I th- or finding someone in the class you work well with within your first few months of getting there, I think will also help make the experience better. Because you just get the energy, consistent energy that again makes the experience better for you you know so yeah that's that would be advice and then always i like to say tap early and tap often you know from the beginner stage till forever because you want to avoid injuries early on especially when you don't know a lot you know yeah it's not worth it yeah. what about yeah, you not, what about you nathan well i would say you know if it's something that you're First of all, ask yourself, you know, a little deeper question than like really sit down and ask yourself, why do I want to do jujitsu? You know, because if you know why you want to do something, then you're going to be more dedicated to it in the beginning. And I think a lot of people, you know, from my experience, like being in a small area, like I've had to get very in-depth with understanding why somebody would or wouldn't do jujitsu, why they would or wouldn't stay with you at your academy. So psychology has been a big part of the study for me and having that as a tool to be able to communicate with people that are different than myself and understand why people are doing the things they do, why they say the things they say, um, why they react to situations the way that they are. Um, And so... You know, when you understand why you're getting into something, you're going to understand a little more about, like, the process and be a little more committed to it. And I think a lot of reasons that we don't do things is based off of the fear that we're going to fail or we always throw these excuses in front of us, like, I'm not in good enough shape to do jujitsu. It's like, well, if, if you're, you know, what's... I mean, sometimes that's a ridiculous statement to even be had from a person because they're not in a shape to go in and be a competitor. So their fear of being stuck in a competition-based situation the first night that they're at the academy usually wouldn't happen. So they're already placing these things in front of them that are obstacles that don't even exist. And I think we do that um, just a lot in our lives in general and it's uh, you know i have this thing posted on my wall that says what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail you know yeah i mean you would do anything (laughs) so it's like that's that's got to be the mindset is like stop worrying about failing and get to doing stuff get to trying get to being excited about some new experiences instead of so fearful about the outcome or or 
you know, that's all unknown until you get in there and you try it and you, and you see what's going on. And that coupled with my brother's advice of, you know, be aware of your surroundings and the type of atmosphere you want to be in and the type of people you'd like to surround yourself with. That's going to give you a pretty solid approach to getting involved in jujitsu without a lot of hardship and a lot of, you know, these issues that people think might be there that, that don't exist if they just put a little more thought behind it. Mm, makes sense. It makes sense. Because, like, uh, it's not, like, easy for, like you said, it's always, like, the the lamest excuses, like, I gotta get in shape before I get to jiu-jitsu. No, you don't. Do, do you have to learn to read before you go to school? Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of that's just, like, you've been in your comfort zone for so long that you don't want to believe that you can do something new. It's like everybody's there to help you get through it. You know, it's like, it's not some impossible task that you're trying to achieve. And, and again, if you, you know, a lot of times our, our disappointment is through our expectations. So are you realistically setting expectations for yourself or do you think that you can't do jujitsu because you don't look like, you know, the top athlete you just watched yeah. match. It's like, that's, there's so many different reasons to do jujitsu besides being a top athlete that you're missing out on so much by the fear of, of whatever it is that's stopping you from starting a process that's one lifelong and two has like zero negative side effects. The only neg- negative side effects coming from jujitsu is when you get competitive it's like that's the only time. Yeah, you know, I know. I'm just thieving joy from people in competition. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it's true. It's true. You know, you get competitive and you get injured. So yeah, but you know, yeah, totally. Things happens. You know, things that yeah. th- things happens, and uh, you know, if you're not careful or you don't tap soon enough, it's yeah, something's gonna happen. You know either your arm or your leg or yeah you get choked out so yeah so uh it's not like mma but it's uh it it can still be dangerous you know if you uh, don't know what you're doing yeah you know and i think that's also a, a big responsibility that the um, academy owners and instructors have is to you know put together a uh, a system that works for everybody you know it's very we have very, very few to almost no injuries in our academy ever because of, you know, the, the things that we've put in place, the, the care that we have to explain to the students how to train properly with each other, the different spaces and times that we have for the different types of uh, students that we have um, attending our academy. It's like, if you create the right experience for people, then there leaves very little room for injury and all of these other fears that come with um, high-level athletics, you know, or a combat sport. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. So, uh, who's your favorite jiu-jitsu guy to watch? You can both answer the question. I like Jeff Glover, man. Mm. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, I like Jeff. Jeff's got a cool style. Yeah, yeah, he 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 does have a cool style. You know, he's very like unorthodox. You know, you don't see like uh, he's not very classic. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been competing much in the last year or so, but 
there was a time when he was competing all the time when I was coming up. So I, I still appreciate um, what he did in the in the sport and in the art. What about you, Nate? Uh, one of my one of my favorite guys I enjoy watching. You know, he doesn't compete that much anymore, but uh, Hobbs and Mora is uh, one of my favorite competitors ever. Just really, really fantastic uh, display of jujitsu and a very tough competitor. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoy watching him compete and get out there. He's a he's a he's a performer, man. He's old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm definitely a fan of like. You know, there's some guys that get out there and game still, of course, but uh, jujitsu was so different back in the day. You know, it was a little more, a little more raw, a little more throws from the feet, more and and fights for the finish. And you know, there wasn't quite as much elegant movement from time to time because it was more of a scrap and a fight. But man, I, I loved that, and and I think that there's a lot of value in that sort of training. Um, You know that that built the grit into the the black belts that we are today. So mm. some of those guys, you know, in today's world, when they're building up their Instagram profiles and stuff as as blue belts and trying to build this platform for themselves, I, I wonder sometimes what the guys are doing it for. You know, so yeah, that's true. For me, my favorites, I would say, um, oh, I got many, but. Uh, Leo Vieira. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> It's funny. We literally have a video playing. And we're just looking at some of his old interviews, like just now. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Leo Vieira. You know, his style is so yeah. dynamic, and I, I was watching one of his seminars yesterday, actually on YouTube. So I try to pick up something from him, from him too. I, I love his style. You know, his uh, his. He he he's like very old school too, you know. He he fought back in '97. Yeah. It's like 20. It's uh, it's like more than 20 years ago. Yeah, I would really Oliver. Innovator. Yeah, one of the best, man. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another guy, uh, Terere. <laughs> yeah, Terere. <laughs> I uh, Terere. I, yeah, I, I I I love to watch him. You know, he's he's like uh, an old school Rodolfo. Exactly. Yep. That's yeah. that's just an animal. Yeah, I uh, I had the fortune to roll with him actually uh, today. I rolled with him twice. Oh wow! Yeah, that, that must have been. Incredible. Yeah, it was like oh damn, it was like playing basketball with Michael Jordan. You can compare it with that. Ah. You can compare you. You can compare it with that, you know, because, uh, yeah, I, I was like, I was trying to stand up with him. I was like, you know what, fuck that. I'm not gonna stand up with him. He's gonna throw me to hell. So I'm like, uh, I'm gonna pull guard. And he, it was like he had so much pressure. I couldn't do shit. It was like uh, I I couldn't do my half guard game that I usually do. I couldn't do shit. So I was like, what the what the hell am I gonna do now? So uh, it was fun to like uh, roll with a guy that I've seen uh, documentaries of, and I've seen uh, like uh, his old matches and stuff. It, it was fun to like have the experience to roll with him. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, that's pretty special, man. Yeah. So, but he's uh, he's also like very fun to watch. You know, he he doesn't stall. He uh, yeah, he goes forward all the time. It's him, Leo Vieira. That's like. Um, Those two guys are like, oof, I love those guys. And and uh, of course, yeah, hmm. Go go ahead. Yeah, and uh, another guy, uh, Bushesha. Yeah, and Bushesha just brings the fight. That's the thing I love is he's going for double legs. 
he creates action. When you think he's pinned down and he's out of position, he's just waiting to explode. The guy is just so so dynamic and moves so well for a big guy. He can bear him below. He can, he can do it all, man, you know? Yeah. You see he's going to MMA. Yeah, I saw this sign with uh, 1FC. Yeah, that's cool, man. What do you guys think about really that? Cool. Um, you know, he needs to work on his hands for a while, but everyone does when they go into MMA. So um, I think he's a big guy. He's in a big weight class. Usually those really big weight classes aren't as deep. So I think he should be great. You know, as long as he gets um, his wrestling improved even more which i think he's already on the right track he's got the right style and he gets his hands worked out he should be fine should yeah have a good career i think yeah. yeah yeah for sure he's uh he's gonna do he's gonna do good lovato did good in mma i was a huge fan of him when he fought in bellator i i think it was fun to watch yeah man, he he had some great fights man a couple good yeah fights. he yeah. did an amazing job climbing his way at the top and then you know his his finale there before figuring stuff out with his brain and everything like is he coming back uh, i don't think he's going to come back to mma man no this time i don't think he can get approved to fight with that cavernoma stuff that he's having issues with Mm. but he can still do jiu-jitsu right yeah yeah he's he's back on the mat he's uh he actually just had a super fight that got canceled this couple weekends ago here so he's he's definitely looking for for more competition out there whenever he can get it. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. But he had a good run in MMA, so it's like uh, he won the belt and stuff like that. So he's got nothing to like, uh, nothing more to prove. Yeah, I mean that was I, I agree. You know, I I think that people are really disappointed that they didn't, they didn't get to see another fight with Masasi, like mm. number two or or a title or a title um, defense. You know, but. In all reality, man, like the guy climbed to the very top with almost no punishment, almost no injuries. You know, like literally, it was like there's very few people that have taken that little amount of punishment to the top. And then to finish it like that, like, you know, it's just almost like a perfect story ending, as tragic as it was, you know, with the ending of the story. It was a perfect place for him to step out and get back into his old life he just put one more stamp on you know his his legacy and you know created a, another space for his mma up and coming mma athletes to be a part of things and you know just uh yeah he's just did it the right way i think all the way through and through yeah yeah, he did well, you know. I've been watching him. I've been watching him when he was in jiu-jitsu too. I uh, think he's, he's fun to watch both in MMA and in jiu-jitsu. So uh, he's not boring to watch. Many of the guys who go over to from jiu-jitsu to MMA, they're not like fun to watch, except Damon Maya, though. <laughs> he's fun to watch. Yeah. yeah, I agree, man. I really like they, Damon. They don't all transition well. No, it, <laughs> they don't. They don't. So, but yeah, I'm... Uh, but. It's good for him, you know. I'm uh, I'm glad glad for Lovato that he took the decision to do step away and stuff. It's not worth the risk, you know. It's not worth it. No, it's not absolutely worth it. Uh, an- another OG that I was uh, that, that I'm uh, a bit fan of is uh, Ricardo Arona back in the day when the ADCC when he fought. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, oof, I'm trying to get him on the podcast too, but it's not that easy to get in touch with him. Oh uh, yeah, man. So, but yeah. yeah. 
He's like a real OG man. He was like a fucking killer back in the day. Oh yeah, absolute beast. Mm -hmm. I think it was. I I think that he uh, he didn't have a single point score at him in the at the IDCC. Nobody scored a point at him. Yep, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I re I read my history, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's an animal. That guy was just an absolute animal. Have you guys trained with him? No, no, I've never had the opportunity. Ah. Uh. Oh, pity. I I haven't either. I I I've never met the guy. So, but uh, me I haven't either. Never met the guy, but uh, damn, it would be fun to train with. He's like old school Carl Carlson Gracie. So yeah, he's like he's like very good. Funny, yeah, super tough. Very funny watch. He did well in the gi too. You know, until he was a brown belt, and then he uh, he just disappeared from the gi scene when he got his black belt and went straight into no gi. <laughs> <I think>. So. <laughs> So yeah, I've seen a couple of his brown belt matches. It's not it's not like super technical, but it's fun to watch. Check them out if you got the opportunity. It's fun to watch. Okay, yeah, I think his style and his body type it just complements the nogi better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's not. You don't see him do burn balls and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not his style. He's he's a top player. So yeah. Damn, we've been talking for like over an hour now. So uh, yeah. Is there any, any uh, things you guys want to share or you want to thank someone or, yeah, anything else you want to talk about? I really appreciate you uh, giving us a platform to uh, talk a little bit about our journey in jiu-jitsu. We would love an opportunity to visit anyone's school and teach. We look forward to doing kind of a European tour once this COVID stuff uh, blows over. And we have an open-door policy here at our academy. We can even help out with some accommodations if people give us a heads up. We've had people from all over the world, and you know, I think my brother and I—we've taught in like 26 countries already, um, all together. And we really look forward to uh, to just getting out there and networking, and coming to even small schools and training in remote areas like ours. And we just we 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 thank you for bringing us on. We can't wait to come see you in your town, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's try to organize that uh, one day. I don't know when, but let's uh, let's try and see what happens. You know, if you get to Norway, I'm. Uh, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. We're you know? there. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Let's do some yeah, uh, cross I'd jokes. Just, yeah, I'd, I'd just say you know, um, like my brother said, super appreciative of the opportunity to get on here and speak and share what we have um, to share with people, and you know, I think just trying to get these conversations conversations out there so people know that there's still people you know training and believing in the craft and and the martial art and you know together we're gonna we're gonna get through this in one way or another you know so so uh, i hope everybody's doing well out there and continues to take care and finds themselves on the mats so you know i'll keep climbing together mm -hmm. totally agree man I totally agree. So, uh, you know what, guys? Thank you. Thank you so much, Zach, Nathan. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right. Be safe. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye.